0: what the 4th Industrial Revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital and our biological identities. The difference of this 4th Industrial Revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you if you take a genetic editing, uh, just as an example. It's you who are changed and of course this has a big impact on your identity. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, the the uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces.
1: Welcome to the Daily Wrap Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most
2: relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours.
1: Thursday, September 15, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. It's an important show today. And I really I feel that quite strongly and it's and it's not just it's not there's a, a lot of a couple of really new important things that we're going to go over, but a lot of this is connected to what we discussed uh, the day before yesterday. And the larger agenda here, this is one of those shows which from start to finish, every single part of this is interconnected and all paints a larger picture. One of the, you know, I know it's hard for a lot of people to stay tuned, especially when the show has become two, three hours long, all the way till the end in one sitting, or even in general, people tend to watch a part of it. And then, you know, and I understand that completely. I do the same thing. In, in fact, other people, other creators, I don't have the time when I'm doing this to do that. And I, I understand that. And, you know, I get, I get the expl- explanation. My point's always that that's not actually true. I have the time. I could make the time should I have wanted to, but that's, but my point is we all have other things going on, but this is one of those shows. If you want to fully grasp the picture I'm trying to paint that I really recommend that you watch this in its entirety because this is just this is that executive order we just went over. It's got to be some of the most unnerving stuff I've ever seen and not because of what the text actually says, but because what that is very clearly driving into and the picture that it's painting and not my assumptions on what they mean, but where they by but what they actually say they mean by these things in other settings, other think tanks, other Biden administration discussions. And it's not just Biden's administration, but that's just the reference of where we are right now. And this is some crazy, alarming, real-time stuff that's happening. And as you just saw, Klaus Schwab and my, my montage there of a little bit just... Per, uh, actually, no, I believe that's all post-COVID-19. But those things were being said before COVID-19. But throughout this process where he somehow knew right in the beginning that we're not going back to normal, no matter what. At the time when every leader everywhere was going, just take this and you'll go back to normal. He's going, nope, not happening. Won't happen. We have a plan. So somehow he knew which means they knew, however you want to look at this. But the point is that that's what he's discussing, the fourth industrial revolution, which, by the way, before COVID started, was saying it was about to happen. Now he's saying we're in that process now. I've been telling you that since the beginning of COVID. So you have to understand what he believes that means for your life. That's where those very small clips are meant to just try to encapsulate. Changing who you are, meshing your identity in you know, digital form, biological form, meshing these things together. Now, is that what everybody wants, that Americans vote for this? Are we voting to like literally harness and redirect our entire country, our entire economy, our entire essence into this digital idea? Now, maybe that's where the world is going. There's a fair argument to be made. But doesn't it still matter what you want? Who decided what's best for you? Now, let's not play this game about, well, we elected people to make her That's not the, the, the lie they give us. Sure, we elect people, if you want to believe the, you know, adult Santa Claus version of how this country runs. But the bottom line is that they're supposed to be the living embodiment of our collective will. That's not what's happening, especially if you're over here saying, well, I don't really want that, but, you know, we let them make these choices. That's not supposed to be how this works. So all of this is whether or not you want this. Everything that's happening right now is for your best interest, they frame it as, even as I strongly believe it's the exact opposite. But that's them telling you, you don't know what's right for yourself. You're not smart enough to make these decisions for yourself. So we have to do it for you. So just sit down, take what we're giving you, listen to your betters, trust the experts, and we'll make decisions for your life. Now, some people may want that. Deep down, I think, sadly, more people than we think actually want to be told what to do. But they still project the idea of being able to make decisions and engage in a democratic standing or truly we should be wanting a democratic republic or a constitutional republic if we believe the original idea but more than that you know my opinions about the future we're going to go through all of this today and show you some really alarming overlaps of how this is working and where it's going and the planning that's been put into this from even before we got here now this is just again one show you truly want to try to encapsulate all that I just said there with the, the planning and everything. It would take 45 hours to even try to touch this, but that's the body of the work. That's the ongoing effort that we're trying to accomplish. And that's one of the main reasons they're so aggressively trying to censor people constantly. So they interrupt that. So all these tweets that got engagement that people tagged and put in, t- in information and whatever else are suddenly no longer there. So the old shows, and the old videos, and the old connective points are just not there. So you lose the continuity of the work. And I think that's important because they don't want you looking at what we're doing and tracing it back to the beginning of the conversation. They want you focusing on the new person, you know, Dr. Drew's podcast and all these new things coming out and go, look at this new information and look at how important this is. And, you know, way after you have an ability to stop or change what they're pointing at. That's why they don't want you being able to stick your fingers in the plan. They want you to just discuss and get upset about things that have already happened, as if that makes a difference on what they're building around you right now. That's important to think about. So today we're gonna I'm gonna start off with a quick point about the podcast because a lot of people have been asking about this. And I want to clarify something about the censorship and where you can find our podcast, because there is many places out there where you can still find it. We're gonna talk about Ukraine in the context of how this overlaps with what we're watching right now. The weird situation is how somehow Ukraine's in the middle of the biggest war ever, and then suddenly they're rolling out the first digital ID and and the first country to adopt the great reset tenants and you know that really makes sense right or in the middle of this battle where they're fighting for their lives uh, Zelensky takes time to talk to the you know award ceremonies and it's just it's crazy ridiculous but to show you the overlap of how what this is has been go- what what ukraine is in regard to the bigger plan has been going on for a long time before really starting 2014 forward but going on long before that and how this overlaps with their new id their new digital passport the beginning of social credit oh for the betterment of ukrainians of course And we're going to talk about, again, the executive order in so far as we get into one main part of it, not the whole thing. Again, I'll recommend my show if you want to go through it again. Two days ago, we went over that, but specifically points about the bioeconomy, the biological systems and the biomass point again in a very alarming potential direction this can take and a not hypothetical things that are literally already being discussed. And we'll go through that today. And I was planning on going over a point to show you the kind of hyperbolic, encapsulation of the real information that is out there which i think is potentially done on purpose to make it look ridiculous so it can be dismissed even though it's real as you know i've talked about a lot and then we'll talk about climate change and how this is being pushed as biden said most aggressive action ever 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 to address the crime, the crisis crisis climate the climate crisis and energy security And all these things we very clearly painted for you are being manipulated, manufactured. And the point of the climate crisis discussion is something that they're acting like everybody agrees on and everybody wants when the reality is it's beginning to seem quite obvious, just like with the COVID injection narrative that far more than they want you to see or at the very least going, I don't know about that, which, by the way, does not mean that anybody honest can argue we're not hurting the planet. That's important to understand. Those things can be separate, that we're destroying things. And by and large, the, the or, you know, people like the U.S. military, even the leading polluters of the world and the governments out there doing things just like that are the real problem in regard to these. But they want you to stop buying gas, stop driving your car while they continue to pollute and pay, and pay tax on it. It's ridiculous. All of it is meant to drive you into this direction, in my opinion. But the point is they're taking this action most ever, ever, ever aggressive because of what they say you want when you probably don't or I would argue mo- many do not, which doesn't represent everybody's decision, but we're going to talk about a plan that was discussed. Not just about the idea of climate lockdowns, which we've already gone into, but I will talk about that again today, but a- a- another exercise, surprise, surprise, that I didn't know about, and I'll point out who shared that on Twitter, like few people do today on a random Twitter account that I wouldn't have to point at and just say, I found this in my research. But no, give credit where credit is due. The point is, this is a exercise about a food crisis that just so happens to go from 2020 to 2030. And guess what they find? We'll get into it. Global carbon tax is something that is exactly what we're talking about and where this all seems to go. And they just happen to find that solution. But we're also going to finish off with the bivalent discussion and how that booster, rather new injection, what they're calling it as a booster, is this massive con job that they're just trying to manipulate you into when there has never been a situation like this ever before, specifically in the history of vaccination, where this is what the, the idea that they go, well, just take it on the chin. We'll find out soon whether or not this works, because what we're pointing out is so dangerous. Meanwhile, saying we're not even in a situation where it's dangerous anymore. And there's countries all over the world changing what they're doing because this thing seems dangerous. But we're standing on the old thing, which people are calling dangerous and saying, we'll glean information from that and say this is safe. Won't even find safety data. It's unreal. Now, how that fits in with this new push, other than the te- connections we've made before, is you know up for people to decide. I mean, obvious overlaps are the vaccine, vaccine passport, digital ID, social credit. But there's more to it. I know that. And I could go into a lot of theories, but I try not to do that as much as I can. But let's go through this today and paint this picture. So thank you for letting me get that out in the beginning and ultimately stay through to the end, guys, because this is a really, really important overlap that I think is crossing across everything we're seeing. The kind of thing where they want to go, oh, grand conspiracy theory. But you know what? Maybe that's exactly what we're looking at. And we shouldn't be afraid to say that. The idea that powerful people conspire to drive in something that maybe they thought was it for your best interest. I don't believe that. But that's an easy way for people to kind of maybe bite into it. If you want to tell yourself they're doing what they think is right, why is it outside the realm of possibility that they would collect to decide what they should do because nobody understands as they constantly bleed about, you know, like moral bio enhancement being covert because you're too dumb to know what's right for you. These things have been discussed. So maybe this is exactly what they're telling you you're not supposed to talk about. So let's start off with a point about the podcast really quickly. So I just want to show people where you can find this, first of all. And uh, this, I will include a shout out to this amazing interview. Really one of her absolute best. This is an incredible story from Taylor Hudak with Dr. Thomas Bender. This person is a cardiologist, a highly credentialed, and, and a, is a very intelligent person. Was arrested under the guise of what they call COVID insanity, which is not even an actual diagnosable term. He was put in a psycho, psychiatric ward. Because of something he posted on his blog, his own colleague called it in, called him a threat to people around him in the government. And he eventually got out, obviously, and has been proven right. It doesn't matter. There's still stigma still there. The, the weaponization of psychology we've been seeing from the very beginning of this, and it is absolutely terrifying. But this is the kind of thing we're talking about today. Now on the podcast, if you want to check out the podcast part of this, the audio feed, which is everything we do, even her interviews, other people's interviews, the work then my show, it's all on the podcast. Under subscribe, you can find the website subscription, the podcast subscription, where you, it's cut off by the shortened window, but subscribe by email, subscribe by Android, or just you can go there and check out the, the the different ways. Obviously, the donate button is right there if you want to subscribe, you know, monthly donations. But here is the page, Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com is the is the platform. Here's the link, forward slash, last underscore, American underscore, Vagabond. Now, this is a platform that has always stood by me. Now, it may not be in many people's perceptions like the best platform for podcasts. Now, I think they're actually pretty, pretty sound. But my point is that this is a group that has stood up for me and stood by me and fought for me personally as I've had conversations with them throughout all of this, working with me to make sure my podcast still works, even as places like GoDaddy knowingly tried to suppress it until we got away from them and went to our own server. Or right, this is important stuff. So support them. But you can see our old shows here and you can find the subscribe button right there to follow this, whether via RSS feed, there's a link to the podcast, or the website, I mean. But it'll bring you to this page, where you can find Apple Podcasts, which, of course, you won't find it. RSS feed, Android, and so on. Now, this is where I wanted to show you something about the censorship. Now, I found this really interesting. I just happened through this today. Somebody, I was searching for Spotify because somebody asked me about it. Now, you can still see the Last American Vagabond podcast on Spotify, because it was there. And I even found this interesting. Somebody under a community discussion back in 2021 said, what happened to the Last American Vagabond? So first of all, you can, oh, look at that page and found. Now, there's no explanation for that. Everything's set up properly. Everything was working. No one ever gave me a notification. They just yanked this off their website, which is just crazy. But here's here's somebody, they reached out to Spotify and said, guys, what happened to Last American Vagabond? As the title says, all of a sudden, just not there anymore. I know he's still producing content. Thank you who have forever posted this, by the way. And all they do is comment. And so we'll be closing this because it doesn't meet our idea guidelines. <laughs> it's like, No, no comment. No comment. It's just pretty ridiculous. But the point is they didn't want to respond and they went away. By the way, on a quick side note, one, I can't show you because I got censored on Twitter again, as many of you know, but my back and forth with Rumble that I was telling you guys about, about censorship, they just immediately stopped responding to me the moment that the te- the, the pressure went away. The moment that nobody was calling them out for what happened, somebody large enough poked him in the eye about what happened to me because they are and were demonetizing my videos. And they reached out via Twitter and I showed you that on the show and they said, okay, here's why this, here's why that. And the answers weren't good enough. They were arguing something different. They explained one, which is about an image. And I showed them how other people are using those images like Associated Press and Reuters. And they never responded to that. It was about the dead children from Gaza. And then finally, I said, what about the other five videos that were demonetized? No response. Followed back up a day later. No response. Followed up again. And they said, guys, are you going to let me know what's going on here? I thought we were engaging. No response. So clearly, they don't care about my problems. They cared about making it look like they cared about my problems to maybe pacify the one person that thought that was happening. So just in case you're out there listening, they never rectified the problem. And it's still happening. And apparently, it's still happening with AM Wake Up. Now, I'm not saying that means you should stop using the platform, but, you know, recognize that there are people out there that are already being suppressed and manipulated on that platform. So it's not all it's made up to be. I'm still going to use it like I'll use YouTube to get the things out there in front of the people that need to be. But we should make sure we lean into the platforms like Odyssey and BitChute and Rumble, or excuse me, (laughs) of course, Rockfin and, and, and Sovereign, like Ben Swan's platform. These are platforms that are truly standing by you. Understand that. Now, here is Apple Podcasts. And it's just ridiculous because you can see here that they have all of them listed or from here. In any case, I'm not going to waste any more time, but it's not there. Last American Vagabond podcast, which weirdly enough will still play if you can get it in the right context, but it just says connecting and then it airs every single time, no matter what. This is the kind of cowardly censorship we're seeing. There's no explanation. They don't say, hey, you're doing this or violating that. They just yank it. Here's iHeartRadio, which weirdly enough was stopped. It had been stopped for like less since last year. And then somewhere along the line over the last couple of months, it started working again. Looks like August 7th. And then just stopped again as of August 31st. (laughs) This is so funny. It's September 15th, by the way. You know I've done lots of shows here. Maybe it had to do with my US-funded research on coronavirus-induced myocarditis before COVID-19 started. You know, what a shock. But it's funny, isn't it? They just stop. It's not there. Anyway, reach out to any of them if you want or don't care or stop using them if you think they're censoring. Weirdly enough, guess where it is up to date? (laughs) Google Podcasts. Which, by the way, also was suppressed up until last time I checked. But suddenly, it's there. So somewhere along the line, it started posting again. Anyway, doesn't make any sense to me. But the point is, this is where you can find the podcast. And I recommend you go to this page. So thank you for humoring me, guys, that want to get to the content. It's important that people know where they can find this. Because this won't go away. Blueberry is standing by us. And they are continuing to support this podcast. Now, starting off with the idea of Ukraine and how it overlaps with the discussion of all of this not just the i mean in every possible way really the digital concept the the biolab bioeconomy biodirection i mean it's very interesting so here is the rand blog pointing out something or really it's a september 12th trying to get ahead of what's coming and this is because russia has come back and reinitiated a process to reintroduce for the second time the evidence they have to show you that what the us is doing in the biolabs in ukraine is dangerous Now, we all should know by now whether or not Russia says it. That's what's happening, because this has been vindicated by even people like Victoria Newland, who openly admitted, if I still even have that, maybe I don't, that that those labs were not only there, that they did have dangerous material, but of course, they're only dangerous when they fall in the hands of the bad guys. So it's not just vaccines, right? So the point is, well, sure, they have dangerous things there. Okay, so that's all you need to know. They've got material like coronaviruses and Ebola and whatever else they're doing on this. It's not just surveillance, which is what they're going to claim in this article, if they have those materials on hand. It's not surveillance. Oh, sure, they're studying these things so they can surveil them better. Why wouldn't they just take the research from the United States, right? Of course, but don't, don't ask too many questions. It's about creating terrible things. This is what anybody, like people like Dr. Boyle have pointed out, bio weapons research. But regardless, don't take my word for it. i guess i don't have it that's frustrating i wonder if i could find it if i search for it real quick but i don't want to take the time but you guys, the point is we all have seen that we've all discussed that victoria newland discussing that from of congress saying yes there are labs and this is of course right after the entirety of western media said the entire idea that there were labs at all i visited the sorry about that didn't mean to press that was entirely fake news And then suddenly she goes, no, there are. Yeah, there's a bunch of labs, but it's all good stuff. Good guy stuff. You know, it's just childish the way they frame this. But here is them getting they're getting ahead of this because Russia's coming back with that information. Debunking Russian lies about bio labs at upcoming U.N. meetings. Don't you love that? So, first of all, they're assuming they know. That what they're bringing to the table is exactly what they brought before. So how can they debunk what they haven't introduced yet? Right? Russia hasn't outlined what they're gonna bring. They're simply saying we need this meeting, and I'll go through in a second to introduce evidence about what they're doing. And here's Rand going, no, they're gonna they're gonna say fake things. Isn't that cool? Right. So we know they're gonna lie to you. <laughs> sort of like when they came out and said, if anything happens in Syria, it's gonna be a false flag that Assad carries out before anything happened. Remember that? <laughs> As Caitlin Johnstone made wild fun of because it's ridiculous. So what if anybody heard that and was like, well, let's carry out an attack. They're gonna blame Assad. Cool. <laughs> it's just so crazy how these people think everybody buys their story. September 12th in March, Russia's ambassador to the U.N. called for a meeting of the U.N., the Security Council to air its false allegations. They're framing it as about Ukrainian laboratories developing biological weapons with U.S. support. Now, here's the point. First of all, that's not well, there are plenty of Russian officials and, and different people involved in the government that have made all sorts of claims. This is and the same way that if like Lindsey Graham stood up and said some crazy, stupid thing like he tends to do that, they then go the U.S. government thinks this. That's the equivalent in reverse, what they do with Russia. Anybody says anything even remotely tied to the government, and it's the Russia government says this. That's how silly this becomes, right? And it's not that it's not entirely incorrect because he is part of the government, but it's called nuance. But so the point is, is there somebody out there that said blatantly they're developing weapons? Yes, I've seen that. But what the government has produced, specifically, i um, blanking on his name all of a sudden, uh, uh, Vasily... Uh, that wasn't his last name, was it? I'm totally blanking on his name. Anyway, silly Nebenzia, I guess if that's his name. I didn't think that was his name. But this gentleman sitting here at the UN Council, he has repeatedly stressed the idea that what they're doing is is dangerous work at these labs. Right, the idea that they simply have the labs and they're biological la- potentially capable of producing weapons. That's the fact. Anywhere you spin this, doesn't mean that they're doing that. I believe that's easily what they're doing, but to be clear, they're, they're, the way that they're framing it is trying to make it out to be that they made a claim that is grandiose. I can show you the videos of what they produced and what they said, and it's exactly what you can prove. They're, they says their accusations relate to real laboratories, so they're admitting that right out of the gate, ones that were performing epidemiological surveillance around the country. Now, there's no way you can hold water with that. It's impossible. So why would they need all sorts of all and this is we proved this, by the way, with their own documents that we did at the time. We showed you the, the actual documents that, uh, that outlined what they were researching, what they were involved with, what they had on hand. And they were all sorts of crazy things. These were dangerous specimens that weren't just why would you have these things in the lab to be able to conduct surveillance about the country or monitor things that might have been happening or can keep track of other outbreaks? That's we all know that's not what this is doing so transparently, they say, not even remotely, because this is something they denied. I mean, think about how dumb it is to act like they're doing it transparently when the first time it came out that there were labs at all. Everyone said that was fake, but yet it was transparently done, right, Rand Corporation? I mean, it's just that they write these things as if you are either too stupid to realize anything outside what they tell you or that you don't care what they say and you're just taking notes and going, okay, this is what I'm supposed to think. Everything outside of this article proved that's not true. What the ambassador failed to mention was that Russian scientists visited these same laboratories in the past and never noted anything like what they said there. Fake. I have shown this forever. Russian officials have been calling out the U.S. laboratory work for a decade or more, whether in Ukraine or in Georgia or all. I mean, this is what's funny about this. It's so simple to prove that's wrong. You can show them talking about it. You can show them calling it fake news a decade ago. So how can you claim, the point is they were going there and you could argue all sorts of reasons why, maybe because they're involved, but you can't argue that they weren't bringing it up because they were. Additionally, even Russian sources have said that accusations concerning biological weapons labs are false. Right, what do you mean Russian sources? What does that mean exactly? A Russian living in New York? Russian Russians living in Russia? I mean, what does it actually mean? Because there's a thousand examples of Russian individuals that work with Loran Corporation. People that live in Russia, that work with U.S. government entities. So it's just their sources have said that those things are not true. Cool. That doesn't have any. That doesn't hold water either, because you don't know who they are, where they're coming from, what their background is. It's just a group of independent Russian scientists. Oh, that's that sound. Who reviewed the documents the, gover- the Russian government claimed to have seized, that it said, prove their case, stated in an open letter to Russian media outlets that the evidence offered by the media is obviously false. That's it. So they looked at it and said, we don't agree. Well, guys, you can look at this stuff. Not the documents they're about to produce, but what they have before. And you already know this stuff because it's already been discussed. It does not imply any development of biological weapons, they said, or even the use of particularly dangerous pathogens in laboratories. I mean, this is exactly the opposite of what Newland said. Verbatim, Like, not verbatim, but uh, she claimed in front of Congress that there were dangerous things. And that's why it's a danger that they could fall in the hands of the Russians. So you can't have it dangerous only on one side. Things are dangerous regardless of who's in control of them. It says the United Nations is not aware of any biological weapons program. Well, th- This is the way they play word games. So fun, you're, you can call it a vaccine program. Oh, yeah, they've got 45 of them. Okay. The funny thing is the media is ob- the, the me- claiming that the, the, the media is misrepresenting the information. What I love about how they frame these things is they have no sense of themselves. The way that they frame it is pointing at them and saying, look at how dumb and what they're doing. And then you could point of 100 examples of how they just did that th- yesterday in regard to the media or the U.S. government. The United States provides biosafety, it says, disease surveillance and biosecurity assistance. So biosafety and biosecurity are exactly what they sound like. Biosecurity involves biodefense, which means weapons. But it's just it's just childish the way they want to frame this. And it says in the US provides biosafety, disease surveillance, and biosecurity assistance to more than 30 countries. That's exactly the point. Why does this make sense to anybody? These are the culprits, guys. These are the people that are are doing dangerous things. And that's not my opinion. This is the kind of stuff that's just been called out around the Wuhan lab and Fauci's research and gain of function. it's still provably is going on, even though it's against the law. How are we? How is that not exactly the problem? It says Russians exploitation, Russia's exploitation of these vital international forums comes with real risk. So here's the problem for them. Russia is inst- is initiating a process in, in the UN that they're legally allowed to initiate. That's it, that's the story. But the 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 fact that they're abusing the process is really ri- that, that so what's a, the abuse is that they don't like what they're about to produce. They're arguing what they're going to produce is fake news. So what they're doing is wrong even though what they're doing is legally allowed to be done. Talk about Manipulating the story. Russia's decision to trigger a special session of the Biological Weapons Convention now runs the risk of co-opting the treaty and using it as a platform to spread and legitimize disinformation. Man, they only have one narrative, guys. It's embarrassing. So their act of doing exactly what they're allowed to do, whether or not they're producing fake information, is now a risk. Apparently, apparently like your right to free speech or, you know, Second Amendment or whatever else you want to frame is now a problem, even though it's completely legal. A group of countries receiving U.S. foreign assistance via the Biological Threat and Reduction Program has issued a joint statement stating that the assistance is devoted exclusively to peaceful purposes. They have nothing to do with weapons. Just in case you missed that first part, a group of countries receiving U.S. assistance, money. So a group of countries being paid by the U.S. government spoke up and said, no, no, nothing to see here. Go back to sleep. No bad, bad guy stuff happening. Now, of course, I'm being facetious, but why does it make sense to say these people were giving lots of money, just said what we wanted, or rather said the opposite of the narrative? I mean, it's almost impossible for me not to frame it in a funny way. They're paying people that just spoke up and said the opposite of what the Russian government said. So we should listen to them. These are countries that are in a large way Uh, You know, occupied by forces or manipulated from outside forces like we see everywhere else. But anyway, being paid. Russia may, however, persist in calling for an investigation as outlined in Article 6 of the treaty. Right. So the legal process. What bad guys? And it says if it does, parties could demand a standard of evidence. This is my point earlier. A standard of evidence required in a court of law and not allow unsubstantiated claims. Well, gee. That sure doesn't sound like what normally happens when, I don't know, the U.S. government yells things about WMDs or or white powders or allegations of Syria false flags or or rather, uh, you know, chemical attacks or. Right. All of that has been later proven to be false with no evidence. And all they say is our intelligence says. And they do that. What is it? Every Thursday, it seems. Unsubstantiated claims are what the U.S. government operates on, what the media operates on. We heard someone say Russia said something, breaking news. That's what they do every single day. But I guess Russia, we're going to institute a level of court, court of law. I mean, it should be that way. It should be that always. But it's funny that they only care about that when it's the bad guy, bad guy side saying things that they don't want you to hear which is that they do have biolabs and they definitely are using them dangerously based on the fact that we're literally talking about an openly run neo-fascist Nazi element that is using these things, that is making act lying about things across the board. But that's not the main point today. The main point is how this has been set up to be used in the direction of what is happening. Now, here is a document that I think is really important to this. Also from the RAND Corporation. What a surprise. Guess what it's called? Overextending and Unbalancing Russia. Assessing the impact of cost-imposing options. Look at that. So this is a document they put out about, I don't know, taking surreptitious action to undermine the Russian agenda, overextending and unbalancing them. Well, let's see. Let's take a quick look at how they were going to do that. Geopolitical cost-imposing measures. Hey, look at that. Providing lethal aid to Ukraine. Now, this is before, guys. Actually, hold on. Let me make sure I can. I just was blanking on the date. I saw, I had it in here somewhere. Well, you could see at the very least, this goes up to 2016. But, oh, right here, the source is 2017. So the bottom line, this is pre, here we go. 2019. Pre all of this, right? Pre-Ukraine war, pre-COVID. So isn't it interesting that even though they just admitted as the Ukraine or excuse me, as the as NATO admitted openly that they have been giving them aid and support and and logistical support since 2014. Oh, what a shock. Exactly what we were saying in the beginning and called fake news for. Here is the Rand Corporation who is right now going, look at Russia, bad guy stuff in Ukraine. So well, how do we destabilize Russia? Well, let's provide lethal aid to the bad guys in Ukraine. It says that would exploit Russia's greatest point of external vulnerability. Oh, wait a minute. I thought this was only about saving Ukraine. I thought this was about the Donbass region. <laughs> I guess not. But in any case, in any increase in U.S. military arms and advice to Ukraine would need to be carefully calibrated to increase the cost to Russia of sustaining its existing commitment without provoking a much wider conflict in which Russia, by reason of proximity, would have significant advantages. So that means let's do it very secretly so nobody knows where to... I mean, come on, guys. How damn obvious does this need to be? obviously about it's just so ridiculous and that's not just ukraine here's another one increasing support to the syrian rebels oh you mean the terrorists which we now have proven are terrorists not the moderate rebels guys we're talking about bad guys the exact same thing as you just saw in corpus documentary literally the thing they were saying was the biggest threat to your life on a dime became the rebels were supporting to fight assad same thing Only Obama's flimsy argument of moderate rebels was how they put something in between the two things. So it took a period of time before they realized it was the same thing, so it was too far past for us to connect it. But these are the same things that we were talking about around 9-11 and the illusion that is. On a quick side note, the absurdity that people are commenting, saying that we're spreading Al-Qaeda propaganda by pointing out the provable, undeniable evidence connecting this so They're they're talking about James Corbett's work, calling it Al-Qaeda propaganda wow, people are ridiculous. I think that's probably just bots and stuff, but also promoting liberalization of Belarus. Right, so none of this has to do with helping people. None of this has to do with helping and giving democracy and freedom. This is about using those things as as talking points to do this, to unbalance and destabilize Russia. Right, so let's not forget what this is really all about. And this is what we're at now. So they're using all of this, From 2014 forward, at the very least, to destabilize Russia. But while they're there, they are aggressively driving in the agenda. Not some other thing, but exactly what you think. For the podcast, the title of this, Building Back Ukraine Better. Guess when this was written? Yesterday. In July, the Swiss town of Lugano hosted dozens of high-level officials from around the world at a conference dedicated to the post-war reconstruction of Ukraine. Wasn't that fancy? You know who else would love some post-war reconstruction? Syria. You know who else is making sure that doesn't happen? Literally on the surface, making sure it doesn't happen? The U.S. government. Literally, you could picture the U.S. government standing in the way of many countries trying to help Syrian civilians as they scream about how they're helping Syrian civilians. It's not even secret. It's on the surface. You can literally watch them burn wheat fields, watch them steal their oil they need to heat their homes. It happens every day. And then they get up on the world stage and they act like they're saving people's lives. It's sickening to me. But here, let's have an entire discussion about the post-war reconstruction. While this is literally still happening, this should make you really upset. Because you know what this means? More money flowing into Ukraine. that has nothing to do with helping the people of Ukraine, as we've already seen, as they've already admitted. I don't even believe that 30% went to some arguable effort in Ukraine. Because all of it that goes there is nothing to do with helping people in Ukraine. Because the entire agenda has nothing to do with helping people in Ukraine. Not Zelensky, not the Azov movement, not any group that's there. Now, I'm, I'm saying that in the, uh, the idea of the agenda. Are there groups that exist in Ukraine that are trying to stop this? Probably. I've even seen actions being taken by people within the government that seem to suggest that there's some pushback. But I'm talking about the agenda. The moving pieces of the Zelensky effort and what's going on are very clearly this. Build back better. It says, future development assistance might not be squandered, might not be, future development assistance might not be not squandered. I, would I translate this? I don't think so. This is a typo, I guess. Well done. American practice is funny. Anyway, future, I should make fun. People make time. I, I miss them too. Must not be not squandered or end up in the pockets of the self-seeking oligarchs who dominated Ukraine's economy before the war. That's an interesting thing to say. Well, 2014, all the way up until before this war, this was a U.S. agenda. It still is. I mean, like a U.S. controlled entity. This is U.S. regime change occupied entity. And so they're admitting blatantly right there for you that what they did after 2014 was allow rampant corruption. There was articles written all over about it, even about the Nazi element right up until they said, Russia, bad guy, and then everything went to the side until they were allowed to talk about it again, maybe three months later. It's just, just like the COVID thing. It's very, very blatant and obvious how, I guess... Hooked to their own routine, these people are. They're telling you that they were run by oligarchs. That's what the U.S. government allowed. If Ukraine's recent successes on the battlefield teaches anything, <laughs> recent successes, well, I, I, this, who cares? I guess we're lying about everything. We might as well just paint them winning. Why not? Countries worried about Ukraine's become Ukraine's becoming a bottomless money pit for Western taxpayers down the road. You, you, down the road, you mean? Right now, must must be generous with assistance now particularly military assistance. So apparently, if you're worried about being a money pit later, then just pay now. Right? Because that logic makes sense, right? I don't even know how you can call that logic. If you're worried about losing money now, just give it up now. Or later, just give it up now. Why not? Because Ukraine. You know, because freedom. Bottom line is, guys, this is building back Ukraine better. They're trying to get you on the idea of this concept and that Ukraine is a central part of this. And it's not just about giving them money to ostensibly build back what, they, I guess, destroyed themselves and that Russia had a hand in destroying, of course, with the war that's going on. I say destroyed themselves because of what happened and how it was driven into reality. Here, posted on March 18th, 2022, is a discussion of how this is going throughout the war, right? All this going on and they're they're fighting for their lives and yet somehow managing to roll this out. State of resilience, how Ukraine's digital government is supporting its citizens during the war. Before the invasion, the country was rapidly modernizing its public services. Now, that wasn't even remotely true in the context of how you're seeing it now. Like, this place was not, it's not to get derailed, but there's so much about what happened right up before all this that showed you how bad it was, even as corporate media was forced to report this, like, right before this started. But then it says, with digital government at the heart of President Vladimir Zelensky's vision. That's interesting. So digital government is his primary is his heart of his vision. Why exactly? I mean, this doesn't make sense other than being obviously driven by outside forces. You ask the average Ukrainians about this, this isn't even remotely where they want to make sure they can feed their families tonight. They want to make sure that they don't get murdered by the Nazi elements. They, I mean, there's, it's, it's ridiculous to pretend this has anything to do with anything other than the outside elements like the U.N., the World Economic Forum, and the U.S. government. Here's the main point. The government's flagship digital effort is called Dia. Dia is a modern app and platform that acts as a one-stop shop for public services and a wallet for digital versions of official documents. Gee, like what, I wonder? Digital passports, of course, digital li- driving licenses. The platform's motto is, guess what, guys? The state as a service, not a boogeyman just so funny how it's like, we're not the bad guys. Here, take this lovely, flashy, you know, like just the not not the bad guy, not the bad guy. We're doing good things, doing good things, safe and effective, safe and effective. It's like this funny how they're just so on the surface about it because they wrote not the boogeyman. Well, it must be good then, right? <laughs> it says Ukraine's rapid digitization. Now, the, the funny part about this is are we really going to pretend that this Ukraine doing this, that Zelensky and Ukraine made this happen during all of this or that this was presented to them by outside elements to be implemented? I don't know for sure, but we should ask that question. DIA is just the latest phase of a determined effort to build a digital-first government. Since 2014, there you go, Ukraine has risen 18 places in the United Nations e-government development index. Interesting. Digital government at war. On In the ongoing Russia-Ukraine conflict, these digital government initiatives were proving useful, even before full-scale war erupted. The E-Malatiko E-Malat- service, for example, was available to residents of breakaway Donetsk and Luhansk regions so they could register their children born in the conflict zone as Ukrainian citizens. Like, think about how stupid that is. These are people that are openly and just about everywhere you can find them talking are pointing out how these people have been bombing, killing, raping, destroying and stealing from them for a decade or more. And they are st- desperate to get away from them. And that's exactly why they declared independence. They did it legally. Russia acknowledged that. You know, exactly the opposite of anything you might want to talk about with, say, Taiwan. Now, they have every right to do so, but they just don't get to say that without... There are legal processes that should be acknowledged. And here we have that exact thing, just like Crimea. You can yell and scream all the narratives you want. The facts are easy to prove. They declared independence. They chose to side with Russia. They are predominantly Russian-speaking. So to act like this was helping them secretly keep them sitting, I mean, it's just so silly. Are there some of them like that? Maybe, sure. I, there's probably plenty of Ukrainians that live there that are more siding with me. But by and large, those people are not doing that. Here's what it says. An appeal on Twitter helped Ukraine secure a supply of Starlink receivers from Elon Musk. Oh, how kind. Who had previously tried and failed to engage. Right, So the just overlap there with Twitter and Elon Musk and all that's happening it seems weirdly, oddly connected. Now, MDT also introduced a simplified wartime digital ID. Well, look at that. What an overlap. It's weird. So it's not just about... Digital economies and digital ID is exactly the central point they're trying to initiate. Of course, it all rolled out during the war, right? That makes sense. Sort of how all these things shifted and changed during the biggest pandemic of a century, but we laid the groundwork during that time. Because that makes sense, right? The pace at which these changes have been introduced itself, a testament to Ukraine's robust digital infrastructure, suggests we can expect to see more innovations soon. Of course. That's where it's all going. Guess what? You could talk about it right now. We just talked about this um, not too long ago. I made this reference when it happened. As Michael points out, Ukraine silently announced it's the first country to implement the World Economic Forum's Great Reset by setting up a social credit application combination combining universal basic income, a digital identity, and a vaccine passport all within their DIA app. He's right. Now here, I apologize for this gigantic red block at the bottom of this. This is what's funny is it makes you, it says ad blocker. So you have to not block their ads to make that go away. But as you can see through this, it says in Ukraine, and this is six months ago, an air of social credit with the DIA app. Look at that. Because that's what it is, guys. It's very on the surface. In a logic of, and this is translated, a logic of digitizing and centralizing everything, the government launched a 2020, in 2020, an application called DIA which brings together identity card, passport, license, vaccination record, registrations, insurance, health and reimbursement, social benefits, and basically everything in one government-controlled location. A model that we only know so far in China with the famous social credit. Right, but I thought China bad guy. I thought even 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 Biden and then we're talking about what they're doing over there is oppressive and authoritarian. Right? Right except they usher in exactly the same thing in Ukraine. Well, that's weird, except it's not at all when you realize that that's exactly what they're salivating about. Ukraine is the champion of digital identity with the DIA app. This has, that's what it says, this has had been mentioned for a long time. Then precipitated by the COVID COVID crisis, of course, governments want to move towards a digitization of everyday life by bringing together almost all services on the telephone. Because COVID, right? What What a coincidence. We're all, we were all disconnected and disjointed and we weren't sure. And then COVID hit and we all knew, bring it all together for the digital ID, right? Or, or it was a crisis used or created to justify exactly what they wanted you to justify. I mean, that's exactly how this tends to work. I don't know that for sure. I think the evidence is pretty interestingly obvious in the direction of no foreknowledge, manipulation, lies, obfuscation. All of that you could prove. Now, whether that leads to them knowingly, I mean, it's very clear, though, that this is what's been planned from before. And as Klaus Schwab said, it's a timely opportunity to take. Yeah, exactly. They've all said that it's hard to miss the aim behind being able to easily carry out most of the administrative procedures, which range from paying their taxes to renewing their identity papers through the payment. Of his fines or his recovery of his social benefits. All in all, nearly 50 services can be reached from the application and nine official documents which have the same value as their paper counterparts. Now, how do you expect this to be rationally out created, planned out, instituted, the infrastructure built out all across the country while they're being invaded? A child wouldn't buy that. This has either been created and planned before this happened or somebody gave this to them and it was instant. But even then, how do you explain the infrastructure? How do you explain? I mean, it doesn't make any sense that this is during what they claim is happening. With COVID-19, the government has even announced that the payment of benefits will be conditional on the presence of a vaccination certificate. They're not even hiding the overlap. So regardless of whether you're even in the midst of this, digital ID that has nothing to do with COVID-19... In the context of other parts of this, they're going to say, well, no matter what, you don't get that money unless you have a vaccine and have a certificate on your phone that proves that. Even while what we go through today even more so will solidify, cement in the people's minds how dangerous this thing is for literally everybody. But doesn't matter. You have to have it in order to get the benefits of what they tell you is coming in Ukraine. A program somberly named Cash for Vaccines, because that's not weird and suspicious at all, and launched by Vladimir Zelensky himself last year. During a war, of course, because that's important. Intended to encourage people to get vaccinated against COVID-19 and to support the sectors of the economy which have suffered the most from the restrictions of quarantine. I mean, does it make any sense that would be happening while they're... I mean, think about the idea of refusing to give people much-needed benefits because they don't have an injection that they don't even care about while there's a war going on. While people are being murdered in front of them. They're like, no, 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 we can't give you money until you take this dangerous thing. Go to your local location. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And we all know that here, by the way, is the, the PDF version of this presentation about the app, but it says the evaluation report assesses the effects of the launch of DIA app mobile application developed and promoted by the ministry of digital transformation of Ukraine. So not only do they have this direction that apparently is unrealistically carried out during an invasion, but they even have a ministry of digital transformation. They are literally leading the charge, apparently, in the digital transformation. That makes nothing. It makes the least sense of any of this. because But that's set up because of outside entities driving that. In particular, the evaluation report focused on analyzing social, economic, environmental, and transparency impact and the impact of the prevention of the spread of COVID virus related to the launch of Dia mobile app. All right, so it all has to do with exactly what we're painting for you. The control of all of these things. Social, economic, environmental, COVID-19, vaccine passports. This is a control structure. It's undeniably clear to me. Think for yourselves. Read it. Understand what they're trying to say. Now, last point on foreign policy before we get into the very alarming executive order points. I thought this was pretty interesting. This was yesterday. Na- Iranian nationals charged an alleged ransomware conspiracy. Now, it's funny that they want to frame it like this. There is zero evidence that has anything to do with the Iranian government. Could, certainly, of course. Or it could be Iranian nationals being charged by, you know, it being paid by the CIA, being paid by Mossad, being paid by literally anybody. Just because they're Iranian nationals. I mean, there's plenty of Americans that have been caught doing things for foreign. I mean, it's just so silly that, well, Iran, therefore Iran government, which is, even though the article tries to tell you there's no connection, you'll hear the government say, very clearly Iranian government. The point to me is, guess what they're attacking, guys? Health infrastructure. And everything else they're trying to show you is a problem right now. What a coincidence, right? Three Iranian nationals attempted to hack into hundreds of computers in the U.S. and around the world, demanding, and sometimes getting, a ransom, according to an indictment unsealed Wednesday. Or these are just random hackers that happen to be Iranian that are abusing their maybe intentionally flimsy infrastructure. They targeted a range of organizations in critical infrastructure sectors like healthcare centers, power, transportation. What a weird coincidence, right? They just so happen to be targeting the main few things that they're going, look, those things are outdated and decrepit, and we need to reimagine them. And while we do that, we're pulling rugs out and making people stop farming and blaming it on Russia. But look, it's all things we need to do anyway. But simultaneously, they're bad because Russia did it. (laughs) Don't even try to think past it. But the point is that this is interestingly overlapped. Doesn't mean it happened. It could just be it being taken advantage of. I argue these things are happening all the time because that's the world we're in today. But it says computers inside the U.S. and around the world by often, often exploiting known vulnerabilities in network devices and software programs. Right. And what's the solution? Well, it's not listed, but guess what? You know what it is. We're going to do it a better way. We have a new solution where we go in a different direction. The, new, the old system doesn't work anymore. Now, no, few people can uh, to disagree with that, but it's been that way for a really long time. And I argue for many examples, it's intentional. So why all of a sudden? And why are they all collapsing right at the same time? This is engineered, and we have to see that. But it says the indictment did not allege involvement of the government to Iran. Okay, so there's no connection, legally, proof, evidence, anything that shows Iran's government was involved. Although a U.S. official told reporters Iranians' government's lax laws could share the blame, of course, for failing to go after actors who engage in this type of alleged conspiracy. Oh, so conspiracies do exist. What? Well, oh, that's crazy, I didn't know. What's funny, though, is that what they're talking about is the fact that Iran's lax laws, apparently, that allow them to be able to use a computer. or I, sh- I mean, the point is, let's just say they've got laws that allow for hacking U.S. Guy- I don't I'm be completely transparent. I'm not aware of what their laws are or whether they're loose and lax in regard to what they're able to do anywhere else. But to be clear on what we can see from this side, are we really going to pretend that the U.S. government has any qualms about anybody doing anything to Iran's government? Of course not. In fact, we've even seen them go out of their way to take people, even we, we're talking, there was examples in China, there was examples in, I think, the Sudan, there was examples in Libya of the US government stepping in and taking people back that did terrible things and letting them go or pardoning them. Or for an example would be somebody like people in Ukraine where there were people that were very, very terrible people that were going over there because it was a white supremacy, foreign, fascist, neo-Nazi element murdering people and then being literally held unaccountable for it like the person who still lives in ukraine oh apparently he's got an ankle bracelet which i i can't prove that but as somebody the u.s says we can't get him because he's in ukraine he's living openly in an open it's he's had interviews they don't go after him because they don't want to go after him the point is the same thing here is it's like well it's iran's fault for not going out do you think iran cares that anybody doesn't think the u.s government it's the same point both of them are guilty for it but it just shows you the transparent the lack of transparency the hypocrisy it's only bad when they do it right accompanying the announcement of the indictment the fbi will release a new joint cybersecurity bulletin there you go with international partners that will identify the tactics techniques and procedures of advanced cyber threats and actors believed to be affiliated with the iranian government and the irgc of course that's all this is this is just patching together anything that can make it seem possibly looks like it could have come from them. Therefore, we can just go on for the future, suggestive as if this is Iran, which is what happens over the next month or year, however long, if this is important enough, it just, the lines bleed and suddenly it just becomes an Iran attack. We all see this happen. Like that time when the Syria attacked with chemical weapons, and they reference examples of things that have been blatantly shown to be false. They still do, by the way. On the heels of this indictment, it says U.S. law enforcement agencies and international partners are warning of, quote, continued malicious cyber activity by accounts associated with the Iranian government. Wait a minute. What? Okay. So you just said there's no evidence it's Iranian government, but you're just going to go. But on the heels of this, we're pointing at the Iranian government. Transparent. Anyway, the point is bad guy oversees foreign entities attacking our health infrastructure. Remember when I told you this was going to be part of the COVID agenda? It's going to overlap. Whether it's Iranian, Ukrainian, Russian, it's going to be something that ties to what they're talking about in regard to, oh, my God, they've got their own little category for it. January 6th, it's its own big category, right? <laughs> so apparently, but it's always going, this is where this is leading, in my opinion. And look, just to point out that my opinions and a lot of these categories have come to pass. Not really trying to pat myself on the back. That's just the simple reality. So when we should consider, and these are all based and rooted in my investigations and the evidence in front of us. Now we just talked about this. Controlled demolition of the COVID illusion ushers in biomanufacturing in the American bioeconomy. My point is that is to show you as they taper these things down, as these mainstream entities are suddenly pointing out things that we're currently being censored for. That's the craziest part about this. That redacted show. Not, let's just take me out of the equation. Steve Kirch is literally just censored for that very topic about the Israeli cover up. They're talking about the exact same thing on YouTube with ads being played. How do you not see that overlap? How is Steve Kirsch being censored for something? And you've, you could I showed you his work. It's not hyperbolic. It's exactly what it says. He's being is an honest investigation of the dad in front of you, but they don't want him saying it. They don't want me saying it because you can trace back his work, our work, to previous discussions that they probably don't want you to see. But they love the limited hangout. They love you watching the people that will either do it in a way that's allowed to be discussed. You know, people that admit that I only say what YouTube allows me to say. Or the kind of thing like we see today where you have videos of people that will do things in a flamboyant, hyperbolic, ridiculous way without any source material that may be rooted in some way in some reality but ways that, is, in my opinion, are meant to be used to disparage and disregard the entire topic. All of that is out there. That is the controlled demolition of that illusion. Admitting these things, maybe to blame on Trump. Who knows where it goes? But ultimately now admitting the things that, we're slow, that we were screaming about and still are. If I did exactly what those shows just did, as you keep seeing, I get censored for it. That's not hard to miss. The bioeconomy part of this is very important. And as always, it feels like a lot of these things are ahead of what many people are talking about. So watch and wait until these things start being allowed to be discussed in certain ways. And one of them is already breaking through as we get to the booster shot. They're doing a fact check right now on the eight mice topic. You'll be surprised what they say. But before we get to that, if you want to watch this whole discussion, I highly recommend you do because we go over this document entirely. Now, I don't read every single part of it, but I read through the entire thing and I highlight, it's not that long, but highlighted all the important points. So please watch that show if you want to go through this entirely, because this is, in my opinion, one of the most alarming steps it, they, I've, I've ever seen taken in this entire position. But how about before we go past this, we ask ourselves, why exactly is this being done via executive order? Isn't that the reserve for the, the situations where you just can't make things happen? Did they even try? I don't care what you want to say Republicans would do. Did you even try? Did you even introduce this in Congress? Did it even is there any attempt to the illusion of a democratic process? No, they just decide they want this. So they just write it out. That is that is authoritarian mandate. This is what we're doing or dictate. Right. This is the future. Now, I don't know why that makes sense, seeing as how executive orders only apply to the executive branch. I don't know why that even makes sense to translate to the entire industry of this country or why anybody thinks that's what everybody wants, or why it's decided or voted on. This is the literally just taking the reins and 180, whatever, <laughs> what was that? That's crazy. 160, or maybe 60, <laughs> I'm so ridiculous. Anyway, the point is redirecting this. Redirecting in an entirely new direction without anybody say so. I just don't even know why that makes sense to even people that would agree with this, because is not that the, go against everything you believe this country? I mean, it's it's, it's that crazy. But to start this off, I want to make specific points again. Dive further on the idea of this terminology: biomanufacturing, biological systems, biomass, bioeconomy. Here's the ter- these are the terminologies in the, or the the definitions of the terms in the executive order. As it says, oh, you know what? I, I I was trailing off. I wanted to make sure I said. By the way, don't forget what they said about Trump and his executive orders, right? You can't have both ways. You can't act like he's ruling by fiat, ruling by you know his own decision, just making up things and writing them out without any kind of engagement, and then do the same thing and act like it's different. They've all been doing this. We live in the disaster governance rule by executive order. That's the world we live in. And whether that's because the system is so broken that they can't back, it's always left first, right, which is how they want you to see it. Nothing ever changes on the things that they push like this, which shows you that it's not really about any kind of representative government. Whether or not it's broken enough to do this, and this is like the last resort, if you want to pretend they're doing what's right, doesn't that show you that everything's wrong, that we live in a situation where the entire system is meant to be? I mean, I could go off forever about that as we pretend we're voting again. But biomanufacturing, as the term says, means the use of biological systems to develop products, tools, and processes at the commercial scale, right? So biological systems is the first point that we went over yesterday, and I'll do this quickly again. Because what those mean in part, now hear me when I say that, doesn't mean that everything is about your body. I truly believe that's primarily where this goes. I, I they've had no holds barred to do this kind of work with the animals and plants this whole time. The one they've had issue getting to is your genetic material to some degree, outside of the you know the testing and the swabs and and the twenty three and and everything else. But they're more than that. It's more internal. It's more. It's a larger picture now. The point is that of the biological system they refer to, part of that is you. That is very clear to me. Now, here's a couple definitions. Biological system, which again, is what they use to develop these products, and that's the biomanufacturing, which makes the basis for the bioeconomy. A biological system sometimes simply refers to as a system is a group of entities or organs Organs being in the context of inside your body that work together to carry out a particular task. It is a biological unit of the body or of an organism. Simple. Now, this in, in, you know cardiovascular system, for instance, is a biological system, but it gets bigger than that. A biological system, it says from Wikipedia, is a complex network which connects several biological relevant entities. So you could argue a biological system is your body or our society. It's says examples of biological systems at the macro scale. Are populations of organisms. Look at that. So, the human species is a biological system. I and mean, these aren't hard to understand. So, all I'm trying to show you is that, in one, in many ways, and of course, I mean, you could argue plants, you could argue animals, and everything else, those are all biological systems. But that, in part, includes you, which there's no way to misunderstand your internal workings and your DNA, your genetic material, genomics, and all the stuff we've talked about. That is the future of everything. They all keep telling you that. So then, why wouldn't your body be the focus of this new direction? It says on the on the organ and tissue scale in mammals and other animals. Inc- examples include the circulatory system, macro, ma- micro, macro. Next, biomanufacturing. OK, so the biological systems are what they're using for the biomanufacturing. So what is biomanufacturing? Biomanufacturing is a type of manufacturing or biotechnology that utilizes biological systems like you or animals or plants to produce commercially important biomaterial and biomolecules for use in medicine, food, beverage processing, industrial applications. Right. So Medicines is an easy example for people to put their mind around because we see that right now. So what are we talking about? Well, things like mRNA platforms and more genetic manipulation for your benefit, of course. But all that comes from you. Now, there was a point at which these were your rights that you weren't allowed. You're not allowed to take more or use my... But this isn't what's being discussed right now. This is like a sweeping executive order that says that we're building a new economy based on all of these things. Biomanufacturing products are recovered from natural sources, such as blood, or from cultures or microbes, animal cells, plant cells, grown in, spe- in specialized equipment. One of those, blood, natural resources, DNA. There's no missing that this is for sure part of what we're talking about. So it's as I as I talked about, this is like we're being farmed. Now, even if you believe it's for your best end if ben, or for your best in your best interest, there's so many ways this can get out of control, out of hand, misused. This is very dangerous things on the horizon here. The cells used during the production may have been naturally occurring or derived using genetic engineering techniques. <clears throat> That's a whole other part of this that I'm not even getting into by the way. The idea of potentially growing human beings or using these things for that exact idea, which is something that I argue is pro- easily already happened with the technology and what they've already done. Like remember that way back story where like they may they cloned a sheep. <laughs> and then everything just stopped being talked about. <laughs> yeah, gee, I wonder what went from there. That's how that thing goes. It goes dark. And they do these kind of things and they present it again to you like this as the future when it's already been used and worked. It's probably being done right now for all we know. I don't know why we would balk at that possibility, but that's another discussion I'm not going to get into, but let's talk about the biomass part of this, right? Going back to the definitions. First of all, the term bioeconomy, it says means economically, a- economic activity derived from the life sciences, particularly the areas of biotechnology and biomanufacturing. Okay. So we just looked at biomanufacturing which is using biological systems. So the bioeconomy is based on, in part, your in your body, your biomaterial. It says down here, biological data means the information, including associated descriptors, derived from the structure, function, or processes of a biological system or systems. Right? So one thing, like you, Or a grouping of systems like our society or like a plants or like a, a grouping of animals or however. But it's very clear that it means in part just you. Now, it says the term biomass means any material of biological origin that is available on a renewable or recurring basis. That is a pretty big catch all, which, by the way, would include all sorts of things. Biological material. It would include all. I mean, that's what it says. Any biological origin. So, you could talk about, you know, wood and sawdust being used to burn to make steam, which turns a turbine and makes electricity, which is their big focal point. Or you could realize that it includes any biological thing, including your body. Examples of biomass include plants, trees, algae, waste material like crop residue, wood waste, animal waste, byproducts, food waste, and yard waste. And a lot of other things they just happen to miss and or not include. I'll show you next. The term bioenergy means energy derived in whole or in significant part from biomass. So whatever that mass is, using that mass to produce energy, that's bioenergy. So it's pretty simple. <clears throat> I also want to point this out before I go on. The term, because you're going to hear this going forward, I know it. The term multi information, it sounds benign, doesn't it? Well, it refers to a combined information derived from data analysis, interpretation of multiple om- omics measurement technologies. Well, what are omics? Omics are disciplines. I believe I'm, that's probably. I believe that's pronounced omics. Omics are dis, are disciplines in biology that include genomics, and other things they list. But my point is genomics, right? Genomics, the branch of molecular biology concerned with the structure, function, evolution, and mapping of genomes, like your body. Of course, it could apply to animals too. But this is important. So they're talking about multiomic information, which includes your genome, g- genetic information. So, just, that's going to be used as a catch all, I argue, in the future, but it's going to include that. So, they don't have to say your DNA or your genetic and material, or they're going to say multiomic information. Just my, my gut tells me that. But going back to the point, biomass. So, here's what biomass is from Science Direct. It's interesting the one thing they leave out in their big discussion over here from the white house biomass can also help us sustainably produce electricity that's as i as i explained like a good example is you know scrap sawdust whatever that's used to make burn to make steam or whatever else which then turns the turbine which makes electricity right that's like the basic argument but biomass is also uniquely a source of human food and animal feed so the first point they made last time was, well, there's your overlap of the, the food cubes or food pellets or this, you know, valid conversations that have been put forward in think tank type discussions about the UN future 2030, 201, gender, 20, 21, gender, 2030 by bi- s- sustainable development goals and all this stuff, you know, whether or not we can use things like insects or things like biomass, because in their mind, why not? If we could use waste to feed ourselves, well, that's, that's the best possible scenario, but they don't want to sell you this like this because it sounds alarming. Because in many cases, they don't ask what you want. And they force these in as an abstract, as a, you know, we're all going to die, have to do it tomorrow kind of thing. Even if that's not true. But, yes, in part, biomass can be a food source for you, should they choose to use it that way. Here is biomass, as Wikipedia says. In this case, it only points at plant-based material used as f- fuel to produce heat or electricity. Well, to, how can it, it's not only plant-based. Because there's a thousand discussions about using animal carcasses, using ev- all sorts of things, right? But it says some people use the wood words biomass and biofuel interchangeable. That's just important to remember going forward. Well, here as another point about biomass. I think it's very telling what Wikipedia omits because you'll find this everywhere else. Biomass is a matter composed of the remains of dead organisms. Well, look at that. That's much more broad, isn't it? Such as plants and animals and other waste products. All organic matter contains stored energy from the sun, your body included. When burned, the chemical energy and biomass is released as heat, right? Okay, so that's simple, as we just talked, wood pellets and so on. As you can see them right here, this is the idea, right? So they can make these and burn them and, and use this energy. It seemed pretty simple. But it's interesting that the idea of dead organisms, or just simply the idea of anything that's no longer alive being used, why wouldn't we consider things like, I don't know, human bodies? Now, this sounds crazy, right? Well, they're openly talking about stuff like this. Here's the Guardian. Now, this is from 2007. Crematorium concern over carbon footprint becomes a burning issue. So at first, what they were saying was, gee, we're burning all these bodies, and it's causing, it's causing, you know, it's not green. It's adding carbon. and And this is taking place in a specific crematorium in Bath, England. At least the discussion right here, right? So what they're saying is, this is a problem. What do we do about this? Well, guess what? They've already had entire symposiums and discussions about how we can use this. Can you guess how? There's the first part from Time Out. Future death. The dead body, that human body. Look at that. As biomass. 2012. Guess what it says? Dr. John Troyer talks about the environmental impact of dead bodies on the environment. That's the discussion The Guardian was just having. And how new technology currently in use in 2012 at the Haycomb Scrematorium in Bath, England, can turn your hunk of flesh into not at all creepy green energy. Now, yes, this is just a little snippet. I did my due diligence and I found the discussions, but you can find this person discussed in The Guardian, and this is a real open discussion. Here is just a, this is a a listing of different uh, um, uh, uh, presentations. I don't know why I can't think of the word I was going to... Discussions, speeches, as <laughs> word, if can't remember. The point is, this is Dr. John Troyer that we just showed you. Deputy Director, Center for Death and Society, University of Bath. And I'll show you it's really, you know, verifiable credentials elsewhere. Charging $5 for admission to give this speech. Dr. John Troyer, Deputy Director, as I just listed off, at the Center for Death and Society, University of Bath, England, will discuss the environmental issues which, which surround current post-mortem options from burial, so, even burial apparently is a problem for them to cremation to biomass tissue digestion. Biomass tissue digestion. Dr. Troyer will discuss new research exploring how to heat capture technology, how heat capture technology currently used as of 2000, hold on, at the Haycomb Crematorium in Bath reduces both mercury emissions and offers a potentially viable green or energy source for the local community. Just so we're clear on this, burning dead bodies to capture the energy to produce energy for the community. Now, look to be very trend, like aside from the very nefarious and weird direction this is all going. If this was a standalone issue, not in conjunction with the Great Reset and everything else, I mean, it almost makes sense because they're not being used. And but the point is, that's something that the the families probably wouldn't want, right? I don't want my bo- my my lo- beloved grandmother to be burned for energy. I want to, I you know, that's I want her whatever even though the ashes would still be given back to you. The point is you can see how it would make sense because it's an untapped resource to an extent. But this is scary for me because of the way that this is not being highlighted, even though it's a very obvious on their surface conversation. That scares me because of any other ways this could go. But the point is this has been happening. And where was the date on this? Go to the top. This is... 2012. So it's all 2012. So this is a while back where they're saying this is currently, we already have that technology. So why wouldn't that be openly discussed? You have a haycomb crematorium in England already using technology that can burn bodies, produce energy and use that for the community. Guess what they say beneath that? Soylent Green isn't just people. It's now. That's an interesting reference to what I'm going to get into in a minute. Cause what Soylent Green is that that movie. It's people that whole movie, right? We've everyone's hopefully older, maybe older people have seen that. I remember it the idea of it's a it's a movie where there's this production being it was a you know a, a manufacturing of, of product I try to remember the, the the concept of it but the point being is that he ultimately finds out that they're using people to produce the product and so they're just kind of making a, a facetious reference right <clears throat> So in the green it isn't just people it's now here the uni- University of Bath is dr. John Troyer Says he is director of the Center for Death and Society, as we said, and an RCUK research fellow and lecturer at the Department of Social and Policy Sciences. His Ph.D. dissertation entitled Technologies of the Human Corpse was awarded the University of Minnesota's 2006 Best Dissertation Award in the Arts and the Humanities. As it says here, within the field of death studies, John focuses on delineating and defining the concept of the dead human subject. John is in the closing stages At the time, uh, this was... Hey, I can't remember these things. I have so many dates I go through. Excuse me. Let's see. I know it's going to be listed in here somewhere. Or it should be. 2015, I think. 2000. In any case, it's pre where we are now. It's saying that, yeah, defining the concept of... John is in the closing stages of a case study looking at mercury emissions. And that's right there. Heat capture technology in UK excuse me, crematoria in a, in a plural sense. Like, so in crematoriums in UK, okay? So there's no ignoring this. They're openly at that time, all the way back in 2012, using technology to burn human bodies to produce green technology. So the first overlap in my mind, well, let me finish this actually. Well, I don't want to forget. The first overlap in my mind is the idea that we're talking about a system of burning dead bodies for, for energy, and we're at a point right now where there is a huge, unexplainable excess death problem with bodies that they don't want people to look into. Of course, that's how I would frame it. I mean, people would say, fake news, conspiracy theory, and you have a right to think that way. But we, I'm going to get into the part of this at the later part, later half of the show. It's very clear that there's a problem. So before it gets investigated, if it feels just say we're at a point in the future where the same thing's happening with the new booster, 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 whatever they're calling it. And whoa, too, too late. We already burned it all for energy kind of a thing. You can see how this could be abused. That's just the first thing that jumps into my mind. Or you go even more dark than that. And you know many ways you could go dark with this. But the point is that's an alarming reality that no one's talking about in the conversation of exactly this topic. Doesn't that seem suspicious? Even though it's already happening? Research interests of John, the social and technological control of the dead body in both time and space, vis-a-vis mechanical manipulation of human biology. Let me read that again. The guy who is spearheading the concept of burning bodies for green energy is one of his related interests. The social and technological control of the dead body in time and space vis-a-vis mechanical manipulation of human biology. Talk about exactly where this all seems to be going. That is scary stuff. The legal, scientific, and medical protocols that determine social policies, for example those which pronounce a time of death for human beings. Interesting. The illicit global trade in human tissues and body parts, yeah, which we don't like to talk about, which is predominantly being led by the very people we don't want to point at, right? Exactly the problem. And it usually happens out of the war zones being created by the exact people that we're pretending are the good guys. Atheists and death in general. Now, and then finally, guess what? One of the primary things they highlight, what is wrong with this thing? Hold on, there we go. Case study, it says expertise related to UN Sustainable Goal Developments. Perfect. Dr. John has expertise related to UN Sustainable Development Goals. Who didn't see that coming? It's obviously the open on-the-surface overlap, but he's basically saying that's what they're doing this for. So there's no missing that this is a discussion that is being had by the same people that made sure it was not discussed in this conversation. How do you miss how, what a red flag that is? Why wouldn't they talk about it? Here's a, a, a forum on the Naked Scientist where people are openly discussing this as the future. This was had, this was discussed back in 2018. This person says, hi, in the UK, as we know, as just pointed out, at least back to 2012, he's just pointing this out in 2018, he says in the UK, more than 1600 people die every day. Since human body is 70% water and average weight, 75 kilograms, we have 35 tons of biomass every day. Just so there's no missing this overlap. What energy can we produce from that and how much? Person says E equals MC squared. I would definitely use dead bodies for fuel if there was a need to. This Person says the big problem would be collecting them from all over the country. Not with a refrigeration special. Like there's a lot, this goes on and on and on, right? This is very clearly being discussed within these circles. Now here's another interesting, this is biomass as ecology. It says the biomass is the mass of living biological organisms in a given area or ecosystem at a given time. So you can either look at it as your personal embody or the collective discussion of of you as a collective chattel-cattle source being used. Quarantine, controlled, putting monitors on, bio digital IDs, right? All the things they use during quarantines and lockdowns and the ankle bracelets. All these different designs were things used for prisoners, for cattle. Here's another example, right? Openly discussing the economy of you. Here... To make this even more clear, this is a document from the World Economic Forum back from November 2021. Converting biomass to energy, a case study in avoiding greenwashing, shaping the future of investing. Here's what it says Biomass is defined as any plant matter used directly as fuel or converted into other forms before combustion. This includes wood. Vegetable waste, including wood waste and crops used for energy production. Animal materials and wastes. Isn't it interesting how that gets shoehorned in at the end? Didn't you just say plant material? So what is animal waste? How does that make sense? It's in the same paragraph. Animal would be you too, by the way. Now you can read through the most, you can read this through for yourself. It's very clear what we're talking about. All of this is very clear. They're openly discussing the, the idea of using ant- materials. So dead bodies, an animal carcass could be you or a cow. Used as waste. Now, I'm not saying that is exactly what's happening. Everyone's going to love to try to make this about conspiracy theory. You can't deny that's a possibility, regardless of how crazy it may seem to you. Especially since we literally just discussed how they are openly talking about this exact topic. It's as simple as that. So finally, before we finish... I wasn't even sure if I want to get into this because I know people are going to attack me for this. And I know that people are going to act like this is a grudge against InfoWars. It's not what this is about, as much as I do have an opinion about this exact kind of work. But I thought it was really important to play this, to show you the kind of things. So we just went through this kind of information, right? Proving the background, the people involved and how their connections overlap with the UN and the very direction we're talking about and all this stuff, right? Here's an InfoWars kind of coverage of something I found. Now, here's the point. This is a video talking about a newly developed animal processing plant. And look, there's interesting points within this that I would say, yeah, interesting. But there's no proof that that is in any way connected to what we're talking about. But they will happily lay that groundwork for people to go out and discuss. And you should be able to discuss it and talk about it. But the problem is with videos like this, the way it's presented, it is aimed at the lowest common denominator. It is dumbed down. There's no source material. It's all terminators and future things and pedophiles run the government kind of stuff, which is not even necessarily untrue, but you can't. It's the broad brushing of it, and it's very partisan. So let me wa- let me play this for you. I want you guys to see this. Now I might stop it and talk about parts here and there. That's weird. I thought I grip every time. I swear I hate that I have to do this every time. Let's see if it's loud. Oh, of course it won't play. Fantastic. Let me do this. (laughs) Son of a gun. Oh, you know what I did? That's right. I must have downloaded it. Hold on one second. There it is. I got it. God, I, I hate that I can't read my own notes. Okay, apologies. Okay, let's take a look at this.
3: While 80% of the world's population continues on with oil and gas, the United States and a small handful of Western nations have decided to go green, even if it kills everyone.
1: Now, my first issue, by the way, is that we are, why the, there's a very partisan effort to frame anything green as bad. That's not, that's not even remotely the reality. You see, that's the very first very easy nuance that they're not actually going green. Anybody, and then you've seen this discussed, honestly, from all sorts of people on all sides of the spectrum. It's not going, green is not bad. Sustainable is not bad. It's the fact that they're pretending to be green and sustainable to drive you into a control structure, right? So the idea that we frame it as green equals bad is one of the biggest issues with this. And that's, that in and of itself is self-serving for the two-party illusion agenda. That's, I mean, that's. Of, that's a partisan. It's not just in fours. That's everywhere. Anybody partisan on certain sides are making it like that. You talk about sustainable things and suddenly you're part of a shill agenda, right? It's not. Sustainability is a good thing. They're not trying to be sustainable. The, or let us take it one step further. Even if they were talking about sustainability, it's something that you personally are invested Not They're forcing anything, even good things on people, if that's what it was, is not okay. So even if they were being sustainable and green, to force that on everybody without their permission or, or, or involve, involvement is, of course, wrong, of course, wrong. But that's not even what they're doing. I've shown you this. Look at the GMO agenda and it did the exact opposite. You could almost go far back. And I was just talking about this with somebody and point out that a lot of their previous agendas, like glyphosate, for example, are translating today to soil not being feasible or hurting people. In health ways. And so that's perfectly leading into the new thing they need to counteract the problems. We need better food or better soil or or artificial things because our soil is depleted and bad and wrong. Who did that? Was that part of the agenda or was it just a, a, a clumsy accident that they're just using now today? In any case, the point is that that's important to understand that it's not even remotely that that's bad. It's that they're pretending to be green.
3: They have already admitted that the disruptive economic burden this will cause is exactly the sort of pressure required to inspire the innovation needed to make it all work someday. Because that's the plan. There are no viable solutions to replace oil and gas. So-
1: now, I can agree with that insofar. I mean, that there's not, it's not that there's not viable solutions. It's that there's no effort to actually make them viable, in my opinion. In a lot of different ways, but at the end of the day, there's ways that you could implement lots of different things. It's about changing our lifestyles, of course, but that is comes down to your choice. So if they want to introduce something new and allow you to choose between them, that would be fine with me. The point is that's not what's happening. Like they're saying, they're just destroying everything in hopes that that drives you into this direction. So I agree with that. And that's alarming.
3: So the sooner we can figure it out, the sooner we can stop the endless rise of inflation, starvation, and death that will obviously result from shutting off our energy taps. And a new company has already appeared, albeit with a bizarre solution to our problems.
1: Now, I don't see the connection. You'll see, you see my, so they jump from the idea of the, like the, the plant, they're going to make the connection between human bodies in this discussion. And there's nothing that makes that connection. I just went over the evidence. It's a valid discussion to have. But at the end of the day, to float this out there without the proper material or the information or the source material, and just argue, this is what they call conspiracy theory. And this is what they point at when they make us and everybody else look like the same thing. I have a problem with that. Because whether or not they mean to do that, this is hurting the truth. The full picture and the ability of people that we're actually trying to reach, the people that are truly lost, to be able to digest this. Cause to me, this is ridiculous, even though it's based and potentially based on valid points.
3: A massive meat rendering facility is set to break ground next year in Rapid City, South Dakota, and be completed by 2026. With the ordinary name the Western Legacy Development Corporation, one might never
1: natural news. It didn't surprise me. Guess how
3: innovative this company actually is. The Western Legacy Development Corporation will process cattle and bison completely with robotics and artificial intelligence, including new laser technology air knives that use a high velocity airstream to dehide the animals. The Western Legacy Development Corporation is building a massive 1 million square foot meat factory that will be operating at levels as high as 8,000 cattle per day. Now, One might ask, what about all this social engineering to stop eating real beef and get used to eating lab-grown meat and bugs? Aren't we being told that cow farts are bad for the environment? Well, as it turns out, the Western Legacy Development Corporation isn't necessarily going to be processing 3 million cattle per year for food. The Western Legacy Development Corporation will be collecting animal fat to be used as feed and fuel a biofuel that they will use to power their very own 1 million square foot facility.
1: Biomass is exactly what we're talking about, right? So first we're talking about AI and new technology, which I they, they you'll see they go forward. They frame this as the, as the big, you know, it does not start, strike me as alarming or even out of the normal for any of these companies to, to, use the newest technology to advance what they're doing. Any of these, techn- these plans are horrific. As I've made a point before, they are disgusting and gross and will give you nightmares, whether they're lasers or blunt hammers like they used to use. But bottom line is, though, this is, this is the logical evolution of any process with these kinds of tools in front of them. It concerns me that AI is involved in anything these days, just because of where it all goes. But that in and of itself does not then mean something nefarious. But all the scary music and the Terminators, well, sure, yeah, this is this is scary stuff, right? It could be, certainly.
3: Now, how green is that? Well,
1: I'll may- also point out the ridiculousness of even having these things built at a time where they're arguing they're going along with the agenda, but that's everywhere. That hypocrisy is literally everywhere.
3: Maybe not small farm, grass-fed, level green, but still, it's pretty green. Rapid City is a small town, and many residents are asking, where will they get 8,000 cattle a day? And where will they keep them? And where will they get 2,500 employees, which is 3% of their population?
1: I don't know. Maybe from other places. uh, Crazy thought. You know, I don't know. Maybe they want other people. I mean, who knows? (laughs) You see what I mean? Like framing it like that. Oh, the question was, it must be scary because there must be some other. There could be. It could be an affairs agenda. But these are just grasping conclusions. They, what if they already have hired an entire group that are bringing from another location because they're experts? What if there's a thousand reasons why, as I get into next, that they don't need to hold them there or they're, they're coming from other places or there's a reason they don't need certain infrastructure? There's no information backing this up. It's just it's co- just conclusions thrown out there with incomplete information. It, it bothers me, I have to be honest, because this is the kind of stuff that pe- people, it's, this is news entertainment. And
3: where will they house them? These questions weren't really answered. But we do know that they plan to have a thriving rail system that will be offloading thousands of cattle each and every day directly into the AI robot laser slaughterhouse for immediate processing. So they won't need to store the cattle anywhere now.
1: Okay. well, that makes perfect sense, right? I mean, I'm not okay with any of this, but it makes sense if we don't need if we're going to be if the new technology allows it to be instantaneously processed. Well, then that all adds up so far.
3: While this may sound like some sort of crazy economist's solution to cleaning up a mass murder, or even some kind of Soylent Green scenario where the government is chopping up people in a factory for food, and in this case, energy.
0: Soylent Green! Right. These
1: people!
3: We are told that it's all for the environment.
1: Where is that connection coming from? You know what I just showed you. You know that there's a valid point to be made in why these things could be. But what, what, because it's AI, because they're lasers, because you can't explain where they're going to get their, their people from, or you can't explain, or you literally just in your own discussion explained why they don't need to store them anywhere? I mean, where in the world does that come from other than the, the scaremongering, hyperbolic conframing, which then makes what I just did look like conspiracy theory? Hmm? It's a good thought.
3: So I'm sure it's all good. And hey, at least we won't be burning any more oil like the rest of the world. And don't worry,
1: which, you know, again, guys, think about the idea of in a very, very clearly partisan way framing anything anti oil bad. How about the fact that oil is there's a thousand reasons why we shouldn't continue to do what we're doing now. It, 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 the bottom line is, that's my opinion. I'm never would force that on anybody. You want to but you use oil to fuel everything. That's your choice. There's, I, I would argue it should never change, but people should use and go in the direction that they think is best for themselves, for the environment, for whatever. But it's obvious that the government and the tactics they use in and of themselves to mine, steal, and do whatever, whether minerals or oil or anything else, is ruining everybody and everything and the planet. That's why they're occupying countries. That's why they're ruining and destroying people and creating terrorism to justify what they're doing. Those are just the byproducts. But what they do specifically with fracking and everything else, they're hurting the planet, which hurts you. you. It's undeniable. Now, does that mean I'm anti-oil? No, it just is an obvious standing reality. So to then frame it as anything as, you know, look, they're pumping oil, so we should too. This is the kind of idea that comes from partisanship that's like this. Well, you know, I I don't want to get too abstract, but the point is simply that that's not how you should be looking at this. What's concerning is that they're trying to force you to go in a direction they've pre-designed. Not that, therefore, you should argue that means that's like saying because because U.S. bad guy, therefore, China good guy. Nobody should be that simplistic. You know, I think they're all bad guys, or they're all doing their own things nefariously for their own agendas. But it's not that simple. It's not one good, one bad. It's all ultimately manipulated because that. They, look, they're going from thing they're using now to thing they want to use next. Why would either of them be good? They're using them to manipulate you.
2: Trust the.
1: Oh, and sorry, I will recommend how and why big oil conquered the world. To understand how we even got here to begin with, and yet let's pretend like oil is the thing we should be doing because Biden doesn't want to use it.
4: We the
3: science, Russia, energy.
1: Silent green is people.
3: We are told that it's all for the environment, so I'm sure it's all good. And hey, at least we won't be burning any more oil like the rest of the world. And don't worry, trust the science, Russia.
2: Russia, Russia, Russia.
3: And remember the plan. Once we really start suffering, someone will eventually think of a solution. And if not, at least we were willing to die for a criminal government run by pedophiles. Reporting for info.
1: It's it's just an insultingly oversimplified, dumbed-down version of a thousand different things we should actually talk about in a real way. Which exactly is the point, because then it gets pointed at as ridiculous as it is, and it undermines everybody else trying to do honest work around it. Now, that's just how I take it. And you know what? I'm sure someone's going to hate that I framed it that way, including the person that ran that show. But you know what? It's time that we take the Band-Aid off, guys. And I'm sure they can attack me as well. They'll come after me for all sorts of things, most of which, if you guys tend to see, are personal about the way that I move or act or say things or I don't go on forever. Interestingly, they, tend to, they very rarely tend to attack the content because it's usually pretty rooted in things that can be objective and I can be wrong like anybody. But that's the kind of thing that I've been seeing. Now, let me know what you think about it because I think there's a lot of ways that things like that are abused. Now, let's just take the pedophile point at the end. I have done tireless work around that exact topic, but the valid provable, I mean, look at what Derek is working on right now. By the way, there's more coming out around that topic. We know there's something going on there. But to just broadly say it like that, and of course, don't forget, they don't mean Trump's Republicans. They don't mean Trump's government. They don't mean the Republicans at all, usually. Unless it's only the ones that pretend the Republicans are actually Democrats. It's just a game, guys. It's all of them, if you want to be honest about this. All of them have had their ties, like Dennis Hastert and whoever else, people with Epstein. It's everywhere. Impossible to encapsulate all on a small show or in a small little segment, but the point is that's there. It's time for us to realize that. Now, I hope, I didn't insult anybody, because I know plenty of people watch their shows and so on, but I truly believe that it's it's kind of the lowest common denominator. It is dumbed down. But here is what the U.S. government is saying in their recent Biotechnology and Biomanufacturing Summit. Now, I didn't go through this entire thing, but I will show you that this is what they're telling you is the future, that they're going to weave into everything, whether or not you want it. Now, I'm maybe going to come back to this summit and go through it more in depth but I just want to play for you this one part because it's really interesting to me that they would even say it like this. We'll go. Let's go to 630.
5: Uh, today, as Alondra just mentioned, we're at a transformational moment for the bioeconomy and we see this intersection between innovation and biotechnology and the economic opportunity, and the economic challenges that we face as a country. And what I want to underscore here is that our effort as an executive branch and as a government uh, is squarely focused on taking those innovations in biotechnology and weaving them into the core of our economic strategy for the country.
1: Right. So their core effort is not about making sure your life is better. Of course, they're going to argue it translates to that. Not about any of the problems that we're dealing with. Not about anything we pretend we're red issues, voting, Roe versus Wade, any of that. No, no, no. Their core thing is about an agenda that they pre-planned, outlined, discussed, called conspiracy theory 30 seconds ago, but now is the core direction of everything they're doing. Because that perfectly makes sense, right? And it perfectly lines up with what every other government around the world is also driving, even Ukraine. What a coincidence. No conspiracy there, right? No lockstep agenda across the governments. I mean, ask yourself why this is, did anybody vote for this? Was this even a talking point in previous elections? How does anybody out there see this and not feel alarmed by the fact that they're just unilaterally deciding to change the entire focus of the U.S. economy on a dime? Which is very obviously causing all sorts of disruptions, which they moments ago told you were going to happen, but take it on the chin for freedom, right? Oh, because it's only about Ukraine, though. I mean, this is just staggering.
5: Uh, Today. As Alondra just mentioned, we're at a transformational moment for the bioeconomy, and we see this intersection between innovation and biotechnology and the economic opportunity and the economic challenges that we face as a country. And what I want to underscore here is that our effort as an executive branch and as a government uh, is squarely focused on taking those innovations in biotechnology and weaving them into the core of our economic strategy for the country
1: squarely focused on that. Now, by the way, in the chat, you guys are discussing other energy and stuff. And by the way, I'm well, I agree that there's no viable solution in front of us that's why I would argue we shouldn't be doing what they're doing. That's simple. I think anybody should agree with that, but I also point out somebody mentioning thorium. uh, I've done an entire show on the, the manipulation around the topics. Right. Around the idea that there are viable other versions of technology that have been around that just nobody talks about that are not, like forms of, you know, in the, t- the category of nuclear technology that aren't as dangerous, that aren't as problematic. I mean, it's it's there's a huge category out there that we just don't talk about. That's important. So I'm glad you guys are point, point, pointing that out. Uh, if you have a moment, grab my show that I did on that and put, throw it in the chat. But going forward to the next topic. Here's Biden, and this is in regard to the climate change direction, which is perfectly overlapped with all their. This they're justifying everything in that digital direction because of climate. Or, you know, the, the different things that aren't really exactly connected, but sort of like saying, you know, lockdowns for climate change, like they're just clumsily patching this in the direction they want you to go. But as he just said, we're going to take the most aggressive action ever, ever, ever to address the climate change and energy security, to address the climate crisis, excuse me, and energy security. Ever, ever, ever. Well, that sounds kind of alarming, doesn't it? Especially when we're in a position where it doesn't seem like that's even necessary. For I mean, we're talking about a lot of different opinions that disagree with all this.
5: I want to take the most aggressive action ever, ever, ever to confront the climate crisis and increase our energy security. Right.
1: And we're seeing that, right? It is extreme. It's aggressive. And it's actions that are literally destroying what you thought was your, was your existence. Everything about it, your, your security, your energy security, your food security, all of it. We're just He's destroying everything because they need to rebuild it. They're not going to say it just like that, but this is what they're talking about. And it's on the surface if you look just past it. Or I guess under just on the surface if you look just past the surface. But it's funny, Is here he is going, where did they create uh, efforts most aggressive ever, ever, ever to stop climate and blah, blah, blah. And then guess what? Biden tests out luxury vehicles at Detroit Auto Show, right? Because remind me exactly what game, what luxury vehicles run on? Oh, that's right. The exact opposite of what he's talking about. Or the fact that it's embarrassing that they are he's acting like he cares about you when he goes and tests out Detroit uh, luxury vehicles that the 1% of the 1% can afford. Right. It's all about you, though, right? Infl- in- inflation reduction. It's just so silly. Look at him. Loving it, driving high level vehicles that cost more than most Americans will make in their lifetime, right? Yeah, totally makes sense. Well, it's probably a little overshot, but you know, $200,000 for one of these cars. But, and I, you know what? I mean, I'm probably even undershooting it these days. Who, who even knows? But all of this has been discussed, and we've even discussed this. I want to give Pelham a shout out because this is where I first saw this, or I think we've talked about this document, but I'm, it could be one that I don't remember. I think we talked about this, but we didn't go through it in depth. There's points and parts in this that she points out that I want to point out. And she says, make no mistake, they already have climate lockdowns planned. And I do. They've discussed this. And I've made this clear in past shows, but I want to go through the document she shared right here by the WBCSD, which was, uh, let's see, I forget the name of it again. She goes through it in the video. The World Business Council for Sustainable Development. Right. So it's very clearly connected to the sustainable development goals and the title, Avoiding a Climate Lockdown. This is published October 2020. A few points in here you might find interesting. In the near future, the world may need to resort to lockdowns again, this time to tackle a climate emergency. Well, isn't that very concerning as we're pointing at that? And they're telling you that's coming, even though many people disagree and many people argue what we're dealing with, I'll show you a, t- a tweet in a moment, is just the ebb and flow of a very long scale of changing temperatures that have nothing to do with what they're talking about. In fact, what they claim they're trying to do will kill us or very dramatically change our life in exactly the ways that weirdly suit a technological future for technocrats and transhumanists. That's no connection, though, because that's conspiracy theory. But it goes on here and it says, under a climate lockdown... Which is crazy that that even makes sense to anybody, seeing as how even the National Geographic pointed out that the the lockdowns, in fact, didn't actually help what they said it did in the beginning of the lockdowns for COVID. But it says governments would limit private vehicle use. So under a climate lockdown, not just putting you in your homes, they're going to limit private vehicle use. Ban consumption of red meat and impose extreme energy saving measures while fossil fuel companies would simply have to stop drilling. To avoid such a scenario, we must overhaul economic structures and do capitalism differently. Oh, so it's like we're doing right now, huh? Almost like they're all on the same page. Well, maybe we're going to see the extreme energy saving measures or the stopping drilling or the banning vehicles and red meat coming very soon. I mean, you can't miss how this overlaps with every action they're taking. I mean, everywhere. Now, stop drilling. Again, the idea that they could just demand that. What about the companies? What about their profits what about the individuals that work there? What about the very clear shock wave that will send through these com- envi- these communities? Now my opinion would I would argue that I think the drilling is dangerous and bad for the planet not because of the climate change discussion, not because of anything they're pushing but because it just hurts like for instance fracking and earthquakes and things it co- does to the water systems these things it's just it's bad, problematic. but if, if there are, if there are people that are still going to buy the product and they have a right to do it that's called choice. Right. And I can back that up 100 percent and I'll express my opinion. The way they're doing this is about driving in what they want against what even maybe potentially the majority of the country wants. But the overhaul of our economic structure is exactly what's happening right now. Many think of the climate crisis as distinct from the health and economic crises caused by the pandemic. But, But guess what? Big surprise. The three crises and their solutions are interconnected. What do you know? So it's exactly what they told you to do for COVID-19. We're going to do for the climate crisis. Totally because they're all connected, right? Or because it's not really about the justification. It's about the actions they want you to take or lack thereof. COVID-19 is itself, it says, a consequence of environmental degradation. Really? How will you actually sell that one? We, they, there's still debate about where this even came from, but they're going to go ahead and jump that and say, well, it's because the environment and climate change. So apparently COVID is because climate change. That makes sense, right? Well, this has one recent study dubbed it the disease of the Anthropocene. I found that really interesting. That's a topic that they don't want to talk about until now, apparently. I've discussed this before. I have an article about it. they, They discuss what we're currently living through as the Anthropocene. It's called the sixth extinction, one of which would have been the dinosaurs, right? Now, this has nothing to do, in my opinion, with climate change. I don't even think that's really what's happening. This has to do with what we're doing to this planet and who are the biggest polluters. As I'm happy to always point out, one of the most, the largest in the planet, if not the, is the U S military. What they do is pollute all sorts of things, which then destroy the environments, which then lead to the reduction of species. And that's what the Anthropocene is discussing. They call it the sixth extinction because right now, and it's been this way for, I think half a decade or more every day, there's an alarming number of species that will never come back. Now, many of them happen to be smaller ones in the ocean, microscopic in some cases, but there are lots of them. Like, we all heard about the spotted owl and all that stuff, right? That was a politicized version. There's a lot of species that nobody cares about that are disappearing forever. Now, all that being said, the idea that they're pointing at that and arguing that this is because, you know, climate change, that's the manipulation. And you see then, the discussion of how this planet's being destroyed becomes part of the illusion, and that's not true. That's the manipulation in and of itself, one of the parts of it anyway. But I found that interesting. So now suddenly they care about all the things they're causing because now they can use them as a means to an end, just like they use the people they kill in other countries to justify their invasion. The climate crisis, it says, is also a public health crisis. Of course it is. It's all about the biosecurity state. Global warming will cause drinking water to degrade and enable pollution-linked respiratory diseases to thrive. So it's all these things they're creating and pointing to the water crisis and everything else. It's all climate change. Don't look at the fingerprints on everything. According to some projections, it says 3.5 billion people globally will live in unbearable heat by 2070. Oh, great. So maybe that's ex- just kind of weird overlap with the Time frame of Pfizer documentation, but that that's not connected. But and not that I that I can see. But what's interesting is another prediction. Apparently, will be an unbearable heat by twenty seventy. What's the evidence? Well, you can look at it. It's pretty damn flimsy. But we, I thought we were supposed to be underwater by two thousand. Right there's a thousand predictions that have been made that don't ever come to pass. Um. Algorithms, plenty, that he's made plenty of them. But this is simply arguing that they know because of what they've told you is the reality that is not actually sound, that has been challenged and shown to be false by plenty of people and even time itself. But addressing this triple crisis requires reorienting corporate governance. Isn't that perfect how it all lines up with exactly what they're doing now? Finance, policy, energy systems toward a green economic transformation. Not like this was planned or discussed in in these circles. No. To achieve this, three obstacles must be removed. Business that is shareholder-driven instead of stakeholder-driven. So no longer about the people actually invested in the profitability of the business, but people that are stakeholders. You know, like the heads of industry or the politicians or the media experts or the people that are at the top, the elitists in their circles, the people right now that have destroyed the planet, destroyed everything. The people that have driven us to this point in the first place. But yeah, let's believe that they'll do the right thing now. Finance that, finance that is used in inadequate and inappropriate ways. Yeah, exactly. Again, exactly what they're doing right now. But they'll do it good next time as long as Klaus Schwab leads them, right? And government that is based on outdated economic thinking and faulty assumptions. Yeah, that's going to change. So as they literally lead you into a government that's based on outdated economic thinking and faulty assumptions, perfect. That's the future of what they just pointed. It's just like, we're going to do the exact same thing to get out of this exact same thing, but in a technological way. Now, you may not think it's outdated economic thinking, but I believe this is completely that situation. It says corporate governance must now reflect stakeholders' needs instead of shareholders' whims. Suddenly, they care about how this system works, right? It's not like they've ever pointed that problem out before because they were all wildly profiting. Then it says far more is needed to achieve a green and sustainable recovery. For example, governments might use the tax code to discourage firms from using certain materials. Great, so you're going to manipulate the tax situation so people have to be forced to use materials you want them to use, otherwise they're going to be penalized. That's exactly what I keep showing you. That's not how that's supposed to work. They don't just get to decide unilaterally that these things aren't allowed anymore, so you get penalized for using them. That's even jumping the incentivization stage, if that's the right way to say that. They might also introduce job guarantees at company or national levels so that human capital is not wasted or eroded because that's what you are, human capital. This would help the youngest and oldest workers who have disproportionately suffered job losses owing to the pandemic. Right, so they destroyed their lives, lost them their jobs and their and everything they've been in, but so don't worry, we're going to reimagine it so those people are better uh, taken care of. And the youngest and oldest and reduce the likely economic shocks in disadvantaged regions already suffering industrial decline. Right, so we destroyed their lives and we're going to pretend we have a solution for it. Finance needs fixing, too. During the 2008 global financial crisis, yeah, we're going there, right? The thing that everybody seems to know these days was a completely manufactured gambling situation that they knew was happening. They allowed to collapse. They profited. They bet on. They they then took even more money from the government and gave it to themselves, right? This wasn't some organic problem that just blew up in our faces. This was an organized effort to steal and transfer wealth. But it says, but because they did not direct it towards good investment opportunities, you know, giving those same people money after they claimed they would fix it. Much of that funding ended up back in the financial sector unfit for purpose. Oops. Ooh, our bad, right? Always rather be seen as incompetent than criminal. You gave the criminals the money they stole on top of the money you took from us to say they were going to help. They gave it to themselves and gave them bonuses. And here we are yet again, but now you're framing COVID-19 and Trump. The current crisis presents an opportunity. Of course it does. For them, some governments have already launched sustainable growth initiatives. Now, don't forget, manufacturing things, you know, problem, reaction, solution. Well, of course, the current crisis presents an opportunity because it's a problem they've led to, created, engineered, so they could present the solution to the problem they made. Right? But they wait for you to freak out first and they go, guess what? We've got a solution. Sustainable growth initiatives. New Zealand has developed a budget based on well-being metrics rather than GDP to align public spending with broader objectives. Yeah, you know, the the authoritarian hellhole that the government's become in New Zealand, it's going to be about well-being now because they clearly care about well-being, right? They care about you being happy when they force you to live a life in a corner where you can't do anything or by force inject you with something or steal you from your family. But it's all about well-being, of course. They care about you, right? Because markets will not lead a green revolution on their own. Government policy must steer them in that direction because you're too dumb. You don't understand what's right for everybody. That's what they're talking about. The markets, which you have a hand in, small hand, arguably, because the big, the corporations, which have no interest in this outside of recognizing that they're going to make a wild profit in the new control structure, are going along with this. And they're going to say, well, we're going to make it happen. Doesn't matter what you want, what you vote for, what the shareholders want. It's going to happen because we're going to make it happen. Freedom. Finally, we need to reorient our energy system around renewable energy. Right. This is the point they're making that video that is valid, too. That there is no real viable transition plan at this point. They just argued it's bad. We're all going to die in 30 seconds because climate change. So we need to do things now. Right. The most aggressive ever, 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 because we're all going to die by 2020, by 2000, by whatever year they previously said 100 times. But now it's 2070. So we need to reorient everything. Okay, well, what's the plan exactly? Well, we're watching the plan. Your $3,000 energy bill, or I've seen 10000 plus, the lack of food on the shelves, the situations they're creating, that is the plan. We must therefore evict fossil fuel interest and short-termism from business, finance, and politics. I mean, it's just so insulting that they're literally talking about the things they've been doing this whole time at their explicit benefit as if they care to change it for the right reasons. Financially powerful institutions such as banks and universities must divest from fossil fuel companies. Why is it their choice to make? Shouldn't they have a right to invest in what they want to invest in, whether or not I think it's right? I mean, this is the problem, guys, is they're just making these choices. Until they do, a carbon-based economy will prevail. That doesn't even make sense to me. A carbon-based economy, isn't that what they're arguing? That's what they're building? Carbon tax and an economy based around the the lack of use, I guess, or the the, the the regulating of use of carbon. It's just interesting that they say a carbon-based economy, I guess they're talking about the oil usage and so on. So we were going to say that, though. The window for launching a climate revolution and achieving an inclusive recovery from COVID-19 in the process is rapidly closing. Right. We have to take advantage of these people now. An inclusive recovery? What does that even mean? One way or the other, radical change is inevitable. Our task is to ensure that we achieve the change we want while we still have a choice. They're not talking about you. They're talking about them. So they've decided it's going to happen anyway, so we're going to make sure we do it our way. This has nothing to do with what you want. Now, on the idea of what they're doing still, you know, because geoengineering is always fake news, right? Scientists proposed controversial plan to refreeze the North and South Poles, by spraying sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere. You know, no big deal. Do they need to be refrozen? Do we do we really know for sure that they're like this because we're in a problem? Or is this a natural ebb and flow of a long-term heat fluctuation scale? And if that is the case, and we do do this, and we do refreeze them, isn't that possibly going to be catastrophic? Yes. Now, even for the 1% chance that could be the case, why do we let these people play god? a fleet of 125 military air-to-air refueling tankers would release a cloud of microscopic sulfur dioxide. Totally not geoengineering, though. Particles at an altitude of 43,000 feet, so not cloud seeding either, and a latitude of 60 degrees in both hemispheres, slightly shading the Earth's surface beneath. That's scary. Let's not blot out the sun or anything, because it's not like we need that to live. September 15th, this came out today. To reflect sunlight and cool the melting ice caps. This is under the assumption that that's actually happening because of climate change, which they argue is us and us doing that. Then it used to be global warming, or wasn't it global cooling? Or you know, uh, what was it? What was the term these before for the ice part? I don't. Know, it doesn't even matter. The terms have changed repeatedly. Now it's just glo- climate change because well, we don't want to keep being wrong. We'll just say it can change in any direction, right? That that works for our narrative. Now, look, I could be wrong. And maybe, they, you know, I, I don't believe that for a second, but just to have the conversation playing devil's advocate. If I'm willing to acknowledge that I could be wrong about this and I'm willing to engage in discussion and enter and hear the points, which I do. Why can't they acknowledge or at least consider the possibility of how catastrophic it could be to make this action when they're wrong? You know why I don't think they care? Because I believe this is about destroying certain things to justify the technocratic solutions to them. I could be wrong. How about you look into it for yourself? I would love that. Here is a tweet by Rebel Dave. Here's the link, by the way. You can check it out for yourself. As I did, climate crisis caused by humans? Well, what the heck did the Egyptians do? The Romans. Even the Vikings. Truth is, yes, it's getting hot. But it's been hotter in history. And by the way, it's been hotter in our recent history. And the next ice age could come suddenly in the next 20 or 30 years. That would be worse. Be thankful. Here's the point. This is a breakdown of global temperatures from 2500 BC to 2008 AD. Right? So this is showing you a very, very clear ebb and flow of very warm temperatures and freezing temperatures... Throughout a very long period of time. Now, what exactly would they have been able to do back then that could cause the kind of industrial pollution that would create this kind of thing that's way, way bigger than even a... This is where we are now. Or at least maybe a little bit higher, if you want to argue. This This is from years ago. But in a scale of thousands of years, that's where we are. Way down there where the arrow is. You can look back. At these different situations, 1300 AD, the Roman Empire, 1100 BC, I mean, it's exponentially hotter. Sudden cooling, sudden warming. Now, maybe there's an answer for it. Maybe there was some kind of release that caused this that was specifically due to do with carbon and nitrogen. I don't buy that for a second, but you can ask these questions. But this is the reality of the long term. So why are we acting like what we're dealing with is unprecedented? Because there's a very clear political agenda around this. It says here at least 75 major temperature swings in the last 4,500 years. Now, the part of this that is most explicitly, most in the moment affecting the average person is the food chain crisis that's being manufactured blatantly. Now, I found this next part to be very telling because... Just like almost everything else we can point at, I mean, long before COVID, but especially since it, there's been an exercise, monkeypox exercise that outlined almost exactly to the day what is happening, a COVID exercise, a anthrax exercise, and everything exercise that perfectly outlines exactly what later happens. What a coincidence! How many times in a row can this actually happen before we realize this is nothing to do with exercise? Here's Greg. HewSys pointing out, food chain reaction crisis simulation ends with global carbon tax. Cargill.com. Now, first of all, here's the link he shares. And weird that it goes to, oh, just a random homepage. That's strange, right? Because it's not the same link. That's interesting. And you can copy the link and post it and redirect you here. That's weird, right? Must have not be. There must be fake news. Well, apparently Triple Check jumps in here. This was, uh, let's see, it was the same day. Just a second. You may have been exposed to malicious news. It can be difficult to know what's true or not on the internet, which is why we're here to help. Well, thank you, triple check. So they're clearly suggesting that link is fake. Why? Well, because it's not even there, right? There's the end of their due diligence. Well, guess what? It very clearly was there. Apparently, triple check doesn't even do one check because there's a way back machine that could do this like I did in 30 seconds. Don't you love that? The triple check. We're fact checking three times and we can't even get this right. How pathetic. Let's see how many of the followers they have 14,000. Look at that. Well, here's the story. Now, Cargill is a big, is a, it's, a, it's a helping the world thrive. You can look, this, this is not a small thing. Okay. This is the site. This is their page and this is what they discussed. So I find it very, very telling that one, they delete this. I don't know when. I actually didn't get a chance to go back. I was going to go back through the archive and see how long ago it was. You know, like when when you can usually go back through the dates that people archived it and find the day that it suddenly changed. In any case, apparently between then and now, they changed it and deleted it. And I'll show you exactly why that is. Because this might as well be a psychic prediction of exactly what happened. Food chain reaction crisis simulation ends with global carbon tax. What do you think is coming? Gee, I don't know. Maybe a global carbon tax. Isn't that what they're outlining right now? Climate, hunger, civil unrest, and spiking food prices came together at the Food Chain Reaction Game in Washington, D.C. this week. This is November twelfth, two 2015. It's amazing how they see these things coming, right? They must just be experts, right? And psychic a little bit. On Monday and Tuesday, 65. International policymakers, academics, business, and thought leaders gathered at the World Wildlife Fund's headquarters in Washington, D.C. to game out how the world would respond to a future food crisis. Funny, Whitney and I were just talking about the WWF, which is the World Wildlife Fund. The game took the players from the year 2020 to 2030. Look at that. Five years before, they knew exactly what was going on. Don't forget that even during COVID-19, they were talking about this stuff. So in 2020, there was the precursors of this conversation. As it was projected, the decade brought two major food crises, with prices approaching 400% of the long-term average. A raft of climate-related extreme weather events, that really almost didn't even happen, but the narrative sure spun that. <laughs> A couple days in 80 degree weather, and they were like, we're all going to die. It's the heat. <laughs> and there's some places that got over 100 and stuff, but it wasn't any really outside the averages. But they, they sure sh- sold you on the idea that we had these climate-related weather events. Governments toppling in Pakistan and Ukraine. Look at that. They even predicted Ukraine's government toppled. And here's what's funny. In 2014 is when the government was toppled by the U.S. government. But they predicted that this would happen. Do you know why? Because they knew they were going to be pushing U- Russia. to they, Ever since 2014, they've been trying to get Russia to take action in Ukraine. I went over this before. That's why. Uh, they just thought they were going to be uh, able to coax Russia into an aggressive action more so than they did. It blew up in their face because it's been wildly exposed what's really going on in Ukraine because they didn't take the full date. But it says the famine and refugee crises in Bangladesh, Myanmar, Chad, and Sudan— Interesting. They just seem to know everything that's going on. But it says teams pledge to build international information networks. Of course, right? Because you know, food infrastructure, we, you know, food instability needs people to share information about their populations with other governments, right? Of course. That goes without saying. You can't have food security without sharing personal information in the face of a steep price spike with looming global food shortages in 2022. <laughs> My God. The most eye-catching result, however, was a deal between the U.S., the EU, India, and China, standing in for the top 20 greenhouse gas emitters to institute a global carbon tax and cap CO2 emissions in 2030. What do you know? We have to avoid sudden market distortions and unforeseen consequences. I guess they forgot that part, right? Yeah, screw that part. Let's make it chaotic and problematic for them. Right, They didn't care about sudden market distortions. We're watching that everywhere. Gas prices, food price. And They don't care about the unforeseen consequences because they want to destroy things to rebuild them. So that part, I guess, is just narrative. Take the meat tax Europe wanted to impose. So as they play the game, they were talking about meat tax during this discussion. I guess that's yet to come. The bottom line here is this was discussed. This was a massive international grouping effort in Washington, D.C. about a food crisis which led to a global carbon tax. So when the global carbon tax comes out tomorrow, maybe we'll all ask the question. I sure hope it doesn't. But if any indication, if any previous exercises are any indication, this is exactly what's going to happen. Look at event 201 to almost verbatim where we are. Now, here's another interesting conversation that, of course, they leave out in this exercise, which is that. Many people argue that a global carbon tax of any kind will dramatically exacerbate the exact thing they're trying to stop. (laughs) Food insecurity. How funny is that? Global carbon tax in isolation could exacerbate food insecurity by 2050. This is 2018. Now, the point they make here, which I think is almost too self-serving, is that you can't do it by itself. So here's what it says. The research finds that using a blanket carbon tax which is what they're proposing, to restrict global warming to two two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, which is the limit set by the Paris Agreement, would put an additional 45 million people at the risk of hunger by 2050. Okay, so they have an entire exercise about stopping food insecurity, and the one thing they propose is the thing that would cause more food insecurity. You can't make this up. This is like GMO times 10 where they go, we're going to solve the food problem, and they destroy food insecurity in India and everywhere else they use the GMOs. Why don't we talk about that, as they're currently pushing new genetic manipulation to solve the same problem? How many times do they get to try to solve a problem before they keep screw? I mean, this is the same group of people that want to block out the sun to stop climate change. Why are we allowing them to do things that perfectly in line with some transhumanist dystopian future? It scares the hell out of me. It says the findings should highlight the need for complementary policies that would counteract the impacts of climate change mitigation policies on vulnerable regions. Now, the real point here that I think is concerning, first of all, the carbon tax they're talking about is a problem for these people. It will create problems for people that aren't in the situation we are in this country. What's the solution? Well, we need an entire situation built around this. Like what? Oh, I don't know. An entire global green direction? The UN sustainable goals around the carbon tax to make sure that it all works. Exactly. That's what this is. But it's funny that instead of not doing the thing that will hurt people, they just go, well, let's do the thing that hurts people. And then just make sure we add things that makes it not so bad. (laughs) Or we don't institute a carbon tax that will destroy the food insecurity. You see what I mean? Like this is not the solution. It's the, what it's the thing they want that they're framing as a solution. It's as simple as that. So they just add justification for why they'll fix the thing that could be problematic. Well, it's not the solution if you have to fix it, right? Seems pretty simple to me. But here's Tedros stepping up and screaming, the Gates Foundation is helping. Big surprise. Thanks, Gates Foundation, for highlighting the urgent need to ramp up investment and action towards reaching the global goals for the UN. That's the Sustainable Development Goals. Our efforts must be centered around health equity across the world. So equality of health across the world? I hope at the UN uh uh, what is the GA? It's the UN Council, the, one of these meetings around this exact topic. I forget what the GA stands for off the top of my head. Hold on. I bet you it'll come up if I look real quick. It was General Assembly. I Can't believe I forgot that. Uh, but it says, next week we'll see renewed commitment to health for all. Now, this is the kind of same unreachable goal as the war on terror, vaccinating everyone in the world. You are never going to make it the same situation for everybody everywhere. That's just ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't try to help people, but it shouldn't be about you forcing what you think is help on people that don't want it, which is what a lot of this is. There's plenty of people in the world that didn't want their vaccine. They forced on anyway because they know better. They know what's right, or that's what they say anyway. But here's what the Gates Foundation said. We are already halfway into the global goals era. Really? Do you know that? I thought we were just on the tail end of the biggest pandemic of the century, but apparently we're already halfway into the global goals era. Right? Don't miss how obvious this is. Looking ahead to 2030, world leaders must not give up on ambitious goals and keep investing in innovations to solve these global challenges. Well, every innovation you've pushed forward so far has hurt people. But let's let them keep trying again if that's even what they're really doing. The point that stood out to me the most: Do you realize that Tedros has 1.8 million followers? 1.8 million. There's not many people out there on Twitter that have more followers than that. That means a lot of them, but not many in the context of how many people are on Twitter, right? Look at the engagement on this. Do you know what that shows you? That people do not agree with this. Not even the people that follow them. Or at the very least, they're not okay with the Gates Foundation. You have a million followers, almost 2 million, and you only get 50 retweets and 3 likes. Look through the rest of their account. Look at 10,000 shares and likes. Not this one, though. So ask yourself what it is. This is one of those examples where you see a crack through the door. You see the majority, like with the vaccine numbers, where most people are like, what the hell? That's scary. I don't like that Gates is talking about this. I don't like that they're arguing this direction that we never voted on. I don't like that the World Health Organization is standing up and saying these things that apparently we're all hooked to, whether or not we want it. Even the people that, I mean, think about how crazy and obvious that is. Now, the digital ID part of this, is exact is the part that ties this together, right? Because that's where all of this is leading. All of the social credit, all the carbon tax, all of this is not possible without the digital infrastructure, which brings you back around to the idea of what they're pushing with the bio part of this, which includes the digital part. That's what the Ukraine discussion is, the apps and the passports, it all ties back in. You need the digital ID for that. And that's why they're pushing this. That's why they had the idea of a, the digital ID, the, um, what was it, the ID 2020? For the United States, which included your vaccine discussion. Like there's so many of these overlaps they talked about long before we got here. Bernie's tweets points out legislation is being adopted globally that strips you of your privacy, self-determination. COVID fear just made it easier. Qu- quote, COVID is critical because it convinced people to accept total biometric surveillance. Your good old friend Yuval Noah Harari from the World Economic Forum. You've heard him talk before. And he is not shy about pulling these things out.
6: COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. If we want to stop this epidemic, we need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin.
1: Yeah, that sounds fun, right? Oops, went too far back. I don't know why anybody thinks that is... I mean, that's That's scary. Now, he's just saying what they're actually doing. And he's, he's never been, he's, I mean, it's very on the surface. Here's the next part. Here's Canada selling you on this idea as the next step. Make, mo, make, no, make no mistake, she says. Digital ID control has been sold by big tech into your government as a utopia of total control. I don't know why utopia would make sense there, but in any case, a mechanism of total control. Vaccine passports didn't set you free. They opened the door to tyranny. Completely agree with that. Here he is, telling you why this is your future. And this is something that is happening not just in Canada. And it's not just digital IDs either.
7: Canada is on the cusp of a revolutionary innovation that will transform the way Canadians authenticate themselves online and protect their identity. Digital ID. All of us are living in a digital world, but we're tethered to an analog model of how we identify ourselves, memorizing countless online passwords, carrying government-issued licenses, plastic cards, and more. Digital ID is a way for Canadians to identify themselves to government, businesses, and each other electronically with ease and rock-solid security, without the need to present physical documents. One interconnected network. A federated digital ID ecosystem developed in collaboration with Canada's best and brightest talent from our banks, telecommunication companies, law enforcement, and government. It would have the power and security to store every Canadian's electronic identity and attributes. And it would unlock countless opportunities for Canadians to verify who they are safely, quickly, and securely, while only revealing the information necessary for each transaction.
1: Of course, right? Because that's never been proven to be wrong every single time so far. Not at all, right? Or they go, oops, right? Like, like France or the UK or, or Ukraine or Israel, for that matter, where they go, well, we will make sure your, your information stays private. And then, like clockwork, at some point down the line, they go, store-breaking news. Turns out it wasn't private. Every time NSA says, we're not spying on you. No, we're spying on you for your benefit. How many times do we take these kind of faces at face value? This guy is just a talking head, right? This is ridiculous. What they're doing is controlling you through digital identification. They're open about this. They will openly talk about you like a bunch of idiots that don't know what's right for yourselves. They need to be able to catalog and control and stop you from saying certain things, stop you from having certain ideas stop you from taking certain actions maybe before you even think to take them these are all the future directions they've openly talked about it's not conspiracy theory that's what they're outlining but they always frame it in a benevolent you know altruistic way just because you at the end say we're going to make sure you're private doesn't mean these things aren't used in the same exact way history shows you that will not be true simple as that
7: fast easy and secure way to bank sign up for government services renew driver's licenses or health cards shop travel, and more.
1: Don't you remember when this was all fake news too? Like yesterday? Like right when the, during COVID-19? It was fake news. Digital IDs, vaccine passports. What wasn't fake news, right? It was all fake news, dangerous misinformation. Now here's this smiling guy in a suit selling you on exactly what these people were all paid to tell you was ridiculous and never going to happen. And now if you point that out, they'll say you're crazy for saying this is a dangerous thing.
7: Canada's banks are perfectly situated to help lead the creation of a federated digital ID system between government and the private sector.
5: The world yeah,
1: So your public-private partnership. Why would you want private entities to have access to your material? I mean, that's what will happen. You know that's what will happen. And the data of you, exactly, that is the most profitable part of this entire endeavor.
7: The World Economic Forum agrees that banks and financial institutions should lead the path forward for digital ID.
1: cool so banks get to do it right that's cool so banks haven't done anything nefarious over the years right they haven't been caught involved in human trafficking or drug trafficking or black market endeavors or anything else we've seen no of course not you know i'm being facetious and you they were things like manipulating gold and silver prices or anything else these are some of the biggest criminals in existence the banking cartels are dangerous but because the World Economic Forum says they should lead it, well, yeah, let's just create the public-private-fascist partnership and allow this to go forward. What this Banks is- are
7: highly regulated and trusted. They have advanced cybersecurity and privacy technology. And they have the infrastructure to operate provincially and nationally. Banks are also at the forefront of working with fintech startups who are bringing revolutionary mobile and online products and services to Canadians. Digital ID can help consumers navigate between these apps and programs With trust and confidence, knowing their ID is protected at all times. A federated digital ID approach can also significantly reduce fraud, save taxpayer money, improve regulatory compliance, and make it easier to do business.
1: Fraud by you, of course. You won't be able to fraud or steal from them, but in reverse, it's a no-holds-barred kind of situation, right? So you're trying to manipulate your taxes to make a little more money. Now you're a criminal right but when they force you to do certain things that are beyond your control well that's totally okay
7: as an owner and as a consumer in fact the canadian bankers association just launched a white paper with our recommendations on how to move forward with a federated digital id framework i encourage you to read it to learn more
1: right because you know everything will be included in there that's completely on the transparent front and center right historically speaking no here it's just one quick thing before we finish off with the bivalent omicron subvariant focused injection nonsense. This is iScience. This came out yesterday. Again, a topic that's crazy fake news. Up until it's literally being patched on your arm. Don't forget, on top of that, we're ta- well, first of all for the podcast micro needle patch tattoos. This isn't even new. This exact discussion was had during COVID, but then we had a micro needle injection topic as well. You know, they talk, They had the micro needle uh, in they basically instead of a needle, it was a multi small micro needle patch that would give you the vaccine. There's all sorts of technology out there using all of this. This is not the same exact this the same exact thing. This is micro needle patch tattoos that just so happen to include your vaccination status and your driver's license and everything else. Exactly what they would have called fake news if you said this was going to come in as on the tails of COVID-19, of course. Microneedle patch facilitate medical veterinary cosmic tattooing medical tattoos communicate health status and store information in a patient's skin we developed single-use microneedle patches to deposit tattoos in the skin these microneedle patch tattoos were designed with numbers letters symbols environmentally responsive inks and QR codes the mn M- patch tattoos recorded medical conditions such as vaccination status and many other different things pretty simple right this is something we've talked about many times. Same thing they talk about with the vaccine. Now, just as a conspiracy theory discussion, what's the possibility that they would use these? And there's also vaccines being administered. It's totally possible. I have no evidence to say that's, po- that's happening or that it's a plan. Just one of these possible thoughts to throw out there. And the idea is that this is something that they've openly said they should do. That's why I think it's a valid point to make. Where they've said, if we could, should do this, and this is a bioethics discussion, then we should do it without their knowledge. That's, that is on the surface. There's been multiple high-level discussions about these exact kind of things, but yet you're not allowed to point that out and say maybe they're doing it. Can't do that, even with the evidence right in front of you. But the point of this is these are, this is the direction that many of us were saying this is going. And yet this would have been called ridiculous until now. Now, to finish off with the discussion of how dangerous these things are, because all of this is leading into that. Now I'm not exactly sure how the admission of their failures is going to I mean I honestly do think to a degree that the reason they're admitting some of these large things is because you guys made that happen. I I for no for not for one second do I doubt that the uh, the available information and the pushback by people all over the spectrum I don't doubt for one second that had an effect. You guys had an effect. Your efforts stopped this in part from going forward. It's still going forward, but I can only imagine how much crazier it would be in this moment if we hadn't spoke up, we as the collective, as you and everybody out there doing this. I truly believe that. But we can't stop because it's still coming. They will always redirect and come back from a different direction. Now, here is, this is going to make you laugh out loud. This is NBC, CNBC, make it, whatever that is. Here are the side effects to be expected from your Omicron-specific COVID booster. Which they're still calling it a booster. Isn't that stupid? This is from yesterday. I mean, we just talked about this. Even the White House was forced to admit that this is not a booster. But yet, the media, I guess, hasn't got the message. So, wouldn't you call that misinformation? <laughs> only when we do it, though. Thank you. Or, I- or only when we tell the truth <laughs> and they call it misinformation. When they actually spread misinformation, like whether this is approved, whether it's a booster, Nobody cares because it's all pro injection stuff. Oops.
0: Referring to this new shot as the updated COVID vaccine, can you
7: explain a little bit more the decision to no longer be calling it just a booster?
4: Well, we, if we have to remember, we haven't seen a, a vaccine, a new vaccine since December uh, 2020. Uh, our health and medical experts made an independent determination that we now have new updated vaccine, as you just said, to fight COVID. It is the first time that we have seen this type of up, updated vaccine, like I said, since December of 2020. And if you and the message to folks that we are, we're, we are providing is if you're 12 or older and it's been at least two months since you you last got a shot you should get these new updated vaccines right away that's the doctor's advice and they made this decision independently
1: but you do still need to get the first original dose before you can get this shot the FDA the CDC they're still referring to this as a booster so i guess why the discrepancy? Are you concerned that may cause some confusion? Well, I'm
4: not going to get into, like, regulatory language on what to call this. I'll leave that to uh, a booster or a vaccine. We'll just lay — I'm just laying out what the doctors and the expert uh, have recommended. Uh, this is, again, a new vaccine. We haven't seen uh, a new vaccine since December 2020. What this vaccine does, uh, it targets the Omicron variant, which is the dominant variant, not just here, but globally. Uh, and this is uh, — this this is good news. This is a step forward and we're getting-
1: Oh god, I just can't listen to her ramble on anymore. This is so infuriating to watch her not answer the question, well, clumsily not even reading the correct talking points. My god. But yeah, the point is, we were wrong. We called it a booster because we wanted to manipulate you into thinking it wasn't different and it's just a continuation of what you've already done because you're not listening to the right people telling you the truth. And they spoke up and said, guys, this is not even remotely a booster. This is a new thing. And I'll make that painfully clear next. But before we do that, I just saw something in the in Discord that I think is crazy. It's exactly what we were just talking about. So this is being this was posted in our Discord. These biofoundries use DNA to make natural products we need. October 2019. Look at that. Talking about biomass or talking about biomaterial biological systems or how they use your biomaterial to do things for the future this is just an addition to kind of quickly dance back to that discussion biology is an astounding builder it says think of the complexity of uh, and organization organization required to construct a giant redwood Where was the part I was looking at? Scientists today are harnessing this building power of the field of energy and engineering biology to achieve bespoke biological functions for many different and new applications. This is, I mean, this is alarming kind of stuff that overlaps with what we just talked about, right? The ability to synthesize DNA to order, to order, have enabled us to transform cells into many factories. Well, look at that. That also overlaps with the direction the injections are arguably taking, which is what they said they were trying to do right before this all started.
5: Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories.
1: And that's exactly what Dr. Ryan Cole just said about the spike protein. to Basically turn your body into a spike protein factory. Well, look at that possibly what we're dealing with anyway i'm going to go through that more in depth and come back to it thank you for in discord for posting that pretty interesting now coming back to the point not a booster and we're even being chastised for calling it a booster but yet the media still calls it a booster isn't that interesting because it's really only about selling you on the idea their only job is marketing for what they're told to sell you now here is what it says and this is riddled with alarming things guess what it said if you're thinking of getting an omicron specific well sub-variant specific, which is not even technically a variant, but booster shot, okay, not a booster, you might be wondering what its side effects are and how severe they might be. Well, guess what? Rest assured, rest assured, guys, they're not expecting them to be any different from what you may have experienced with previous booster doses. (laughs) That's their answer. Oh, good. So just some myocarditis and strokes and blood clots and thrombosis and Bell's palsy and and seizures. No big deal, though. No more than that. Of course, that's not their point. Their point is to pretend still at this far date that the only thing happening is soreness and headaches. I can't even believe they think this is acceptable or even going to be accepted. They have admitted that myocarditis is like 1 in 3,000 to 5,000. They've talked about the obvious problems. They're ignoring the heart attacks and strokes and blood clots, even though it's very obviously correlated, Not, not even just correlated, they've admitted it's possible. But rest assured, it's not gonna be any worse than before. That's crazy. These earlier things and still being given are some of the most alarmingly dangerous things I've ever seen given because of what is continuing to happen.
6: Here, I'll just play this since i referenced it. The spike protein is a toxin. So it, it's not, it doesn't matter whether it's J&J, AstraZeneca, Moderna, uh, Pfizer, they all make your body make a spike protein. That spike protein binds to a tumor suppressor gene family, P53. It also binds to the breast cancer gene, BRCA, and the ovarian cancer gene, BRCA. We know that that spike protein can induce cancer pathways, period. It's happening. Cancers are on the increase across the board, lymphomas, leukemias, blood cancers, because that spike goes to the bone marrow. The lipid nanoparticle carries the mRNA to your dividing stem cells it doesn't stay in the arm. It can go into any cell in your body and it turns that cell into a spike factory. It inhibits the ability for your DNA to repair itself. It binds to Uh, Our mitochondria destroys the energy of our brain cells, destroys the energy of our liver cells, destroys the energy of any cell it gets into. Your own immune system attacks those cells. So a lot of people have arthritic pain, muscle pain. It's because those cells are being attacked by your own immune system because they're expressing this foreign spike protein. That spike protein causes mechanisms of cancer in many people. And I've been seeing that in the lab. I've been having it confirmed by oncologists, radiologists, radiation oncologists, pathologists all around the world as I travel. It is happening. It's on the uptick. Our military database showed it until our Department of Defense illegally froze that database and hit the data. Um, this is a crime against humanity. We're using a dangerous product on humanity that is harming the human cells, that is harming the human body, that is harming our hormones, that is harming our reproductive organs, that is harming any organ where that that
1: protein lands. Period. They're dangerous for everyone, no matter what. I mean, we just have to start realizing how clear that is. I had to give Sierra back her bone. <laughs> she dropped it under the table. It, it's just, it's, this is what I've been trying to highlight for a while. You know, that this is now, whether or not they're as dangerous immediately for people, Right. Where just, or like the lack of stopping what they claim is the boogeyman of COVID 19. It's really about the long term or short term side effects of possibility of blood clots, heart attacks, strokes, bell palsy. All these things are happening, water falling everywhere that they don't associate with that. That's the big problem. Here's what it says after this, by the way. Rest assured, not going to be much different. Right. That's what they're telling you. Don't worry. It's not going to be any worse. And the very next paragraph says, We just don't have any data on this yet. (laughs) Right. So it's not going to be any worse, but we have no data to back that up. So why in the world is NBC able to tell you that they don't think it'll be worse if we have no clue? Now, I shouldn't say it like that because they argue that they're using information from previous things. But let me show you why that is not only unscientific, it is unprecedented based on not just the fact that they're doing it, using other injections to claim they can say this is safe, but the fact that the thing they're pointing at that nobody seems to be talking about is itself only based on 100 people, not the mouse discussion. I'll show you. Essentially, it says, giving two vaccines in one shot. First of all, why aren't we talking about it like that? This new bivalent thing, which apparently addresses three things they all claim. I don't know why that would be bivalent. The point is it's not. It's about the original strain they claim in BA5. That's what their own documentation says. They're all just claiming it's BA5 and 4 But here's the point. It says... Two shots or vaccines in one shot. So we're back at the MMR kind of thing here where we're not testing whether these things interact weird with each other. There's no safety testing on this. They're pointing at the BA-1 and saying, well, we've got some from that. So therefore, this is most likely safe. And they're not even saying for sure. They're just saying most likely. I don't know why that's enough for anybody, especially what's been going on. But that means you for sure have not tested them next to each other. Why would the BA one shot by itself be the same as testing this? It's not. But it says, but biologically, I just wouldn't expect the side effects. So he's guessing. Severity or safety profile of the shots to be different from the current mRNA vaccine boosters. But why is that a good, a good thing? So you don't expect them to be more dangerous than these wildly dangerous things? Cool. That makes me feel good. He's literally telling you without telling you that these things are going to be no safer than the ones we just had. He's the one that voted no to let these happen. It says the reformulated shots from Pfizer and Moderna are bivalent, two things, which means they target both the original COVID strain and Omicron's BA five and BA four subvariants, which is just ridiculous how they continue to argue that these are subvariants and we're thirty five things away from it. Like in the beginning, it was a new name every time. But in any case, the way they describe this is very telling. It says side effects data, side effect data isn't available. Because the new boosters were approved by the FDA and the CDC before fully completed their clinical trials. Oh, they were approved, were they? So if you can't see that this one discrepancy is enough to disregard the research value of anything on NBC, or at the very least people involved with this article, then I don't know why you think anything makes sense anywhere. Like, if you, so the, my point is, as you know, it's coming, it's not approved. They prove that to you. It's not approved. Here is the most recent page from the FDA. Coronavirus update. FDA authorizes the specific bivalent injections. Okay. Today, and guess what's funny is they're still calling booster dose, even though the people, it's just so ridiculously frustrating. But it says today, the FDA, this is the 31st, amended the emergency use authorization right? So to And to add, to authorize bivalent formulations. Okay, well, you don't find. Oh, this is the future. I was going to say it's not in there. They're saying the, these ones that are authorized or approved have been administered to millions of people. So the, what here's what's funny about that. First of all, approved is not mentioned in the context of this anywhere. It's not, because it's not approved. This is the emergency authorization. That's clear by that statement there. But what's funny down here is they're talking about the monovalent ones you know, either authorized or approved. Oh, you mean like the approved? And the point is they say those have been given to millions of people. How dishonest is that? Everybody everywhere should know that the Comirnaty or spike facts, supposedly the approved versions of Moderna and Pfizer, have not been given to anybody in this country. Even, even uh, Thomas Massey made this clear in front of Congress and nobody shouted to he's right. Even the military is now on the call co- is on the hook right now, potentially legally, for arguing that because we have approved versions we can make this be given to people in the military, then it turned around they only were given the emergency authorized version. Now whether or not you argue they're the same, which they're not, they're legally distinct by their own definition. So that's a crime. Nobody got in trouble for that. but here they are, yeah, they've been given to millions of people. No, the emergency authorized one has. And that's why people are being hurt. Well, that's not the only reason. But anyway, my point was simply that this is emergency authorized. That should be as clear as anything we're talking about. Yet, for some reason, NBC just goes, oh, they're approved. Right? New versions were approved by the FDA. Before. The argument that they can be okay with saying it's approved before completing trials is crazy in and of itself. By the way, here is PBS towing the same line. FDA approves. Updated booster shots. Not booster shots, not approved, but I guess it's okay to lie blatantly as long as you do it in the right direction. Let's go forward. The federal agencies based their approvals, still lying to you, off several other pieces of safety data, including evidence from the original vaccine. Not even the same thing, not based on the same thing, not remotely the same concept. You're talking about a single thing based on a single spike, vaccine, or spike protein focused on the original strain they claimed. This is a bivalent injection with t- multiple versions of things. That is not the same injection and even been forced. That's why the White House wanted you to think it was a booster. It's not. They were, that's why I made sure to include this. They were chastised to make sure you knew this was a different and new thing. So how in the world can you pretend the safety trials should be translated? Now, to be clear about this, even if it was a booster, it still needs safety testing. You know why they know that and we know that? Because they already did so on the BA-1. Why would they do safety trials on the BA-1 new version if they didn't think you needed safety trials? The point is they've always wanted you to think that you can just continue to stay on this platform of mRNA and change up the thing like they do with the, with the flu shot. And act like that makes sense. Well, you know what? Shots constantly shown to be wildly un The, the flu shot is barely effective, if at all, every year. And we're only now asking questions like, what about all the SIDS and SADs that have been happening before this? Are they related to that? That's a very valid question we should be asking, especially since they don't test these things every year. Not just like this. Even Dr. Paul Offit in this is himself saying that model does not translate or we haven't proven that it does, but we're going to go on that and act like it makes sense anyway because narrative and policy is more important than scientific validation today to them. But one of them, the pieces, were evidence from the original thing, which we all should know by now is the last thing we should pretend makes sense. The safety data that they altered, manipulated, lied about, covered up, and which is now showing to be very dangerous, that is what they're using to say this is safe. That makes you feel good, right? On, and then another part of it, the updated formulations are merely a tweak to those original. That's not even true, as they themselves have now been forced to admit it's something new and different. They're different. And I'll even get into where this own article talks about the way that even the micrograms are different. But yeah, just a small tweak. And lab data on the SHOTS BA5 element in mice. That is the eight mice topic that everyone seems to be talking about. Let's, we'll get into the fact check on that and show you how feeble it is. But it says they also examined clinical trial data on earlier versions of bivalent boosters targeting Omicron's BA-1 subvariant. Right, so that's my point. They're saying, well, we did this thing over here, but it says those shots were never released because BA-1 was so quickly surpassed by other subvariants. Well, why is it any different now? They're already pointing at new variants of concern in the subvariant Omicron never-ending field. Why is it different? They They just don't care that you... It's not different is the point. It's going to be the same way, but they just want to get this new thing. But so instead of doing a new thing and doing new testing, they just said, well, we'll just take the BA-1 testing and pretend that's enough. That's exactly what they're saying. But it says, but their design is extremely similar. Well, yes, the technology around the mRNA injection is exactly the same kind of technology that doesn't make it the same shot, the same safety profile, or even the same material. And they damn well know that or the me I'm not talking about the media. I'm 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 sure they have to look up a video to tie their shoes, but I'm talking about the people that know this from a scientific perspective. Their design is extremely similar to the shots now available. That's what they want you to think. Together, the evidence shows a potential roadmap for the side effects you can expect. The evidence? Right, so Paul Offit, the expert for the FDA, just said right up here, we don't have any data, any, essentially giving two vaccines in one shot. All they have is other data, which he is basically admitting there is not related tangentially at best. So it's a guess, no matter how you spin this. And what they're saying is, well, because we want to come to the conclusion we were supposed to by this article together, the evidence, which is guessing, shows a potential roadmap of side effects. So all their evidence is, is going, what were the, what were the arguable narrative side effects of the first shot? Well, we'll just dump those on you here and say that because they claim it might be similar, that those are must be what it's going to be. There's a guess upon a guess upon a guess here. Side effects that you could expect after getting one of the new boosters and how severe they might be. Guess what they don't include? Any of the actual side effects. Pain, fatigue, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint redness, fever. Yeah, that's, that's what's happening, right? My God. Severe side effects are generally, in quotes, I'm not sure what that means, most common after receiving a second dose of an injection. Not after receiving a third or fourth. You know why they keep saying that? Because there's not as much data on the third and the fourth. That's what's so stupid about this. The second dose was very aggressively investigated because most people thought that's where it was going to end. And now there's not as many studies going further. So they just go, well, it's the, the bulk of evidence shows that that one was the... Pr-. No, no. If you really look at the evidence they don't want you to look at, like from all the governments that are not trying to hide from you the data that shows you that it's predominantly a pandemic of the vaccinated, it shows you that the third and the fourth are only extending and exacerbating the problems, exacerbating. And the point is that even people like Dr. McCullough and plenty of others are showing you. It only gets worse. It says you're only eligible for the new boosters, as we keep laughing at, if you've completed a primary vaccination series meaning most people will already have received at lose two doses. Okay, good. So no side effects then, right? Think about how stupid that is. So if most people have two doses, that will, first of all, they have to have two doses to get the third. So you're arguing that means there won't be side effects. What about people that have got none? They have to go through one and two to get them. So you're going to guarantee them more side effects to get to the shot. They, why wouldn't you just give them the new thing that's supposed to be based on the original and the new? There's no scientific explanation for that. Why would you force them to get two shots of something that's not related before they can get the new thing? This is just compliance. We are watching an experiment more obvious than I've ever seen. A single dose of Pfizer's monovalent vaccine, here's what's interesting, contains 30 micrograms of mRNA targeting the original COVID strain. Or, you know, so we're being told. I have no reason to dispute that, but I'm just saying, I don't know why we trust anything they tell us. So it's 30 micrograms, they say, right? The updated booster shot or brand new injection contains the same number of micrograms, but it's only 15 targeting the original strain and another 15 targeting BA4 and BA5. There's a couple of ways you could take that. First of all, let's ask the question about why they would think it would be as effective, if that's even what we're pretending this is, if it's half the amount about to either of them. Now, maybe this is a quiet indication that they knew that they were hurting people with a high dose, which was the earlier problems, right? Before COVID-19, why they kept failing? Because they kept increasing the amount, which kept causing too many side effects. They kept stopping. They never solved that problem very clearly. And maybe this is an indication of that. It's one way to look at it. But either way, why would... So if you're saying 15 targeting BA4 and 5, would that argue 7.5 for BA4 and 7.5 for BA5? These are questions we should be asking. But the bottom line is... Why does this make sense in, tr- in conjunction with the earlier ones? Like this, it's just a continue. And this is a new thing. It says Moderna's monovalent shot contains 50 micrograms. Same point. It's 25 for the original and 25 divided between the subvariants. So why are they interchangeable still? Which they are. They are openly saying that. Mix and match. Go get either one. Just do them both in a row. Well, first of all, we're talking about one in this case. But wait until we need another one. Yes, I'm jumping ahead, but you know it's coming. <laughs> that when it comes to be the next one, they're going to say, just get whichever one's available. That's my prediction. And it's going to be why, especially since they're not the same. Now, this is the same point from before. That's why I'm making it. Why would a, a, an original that contains 30 and well, a Pfizer that contains 30 and a Moderna that contains 50 be interchangeable? How in the world does that even remotely scientifically make sense to anybody? Even the experts in the UK spoke up and said there's no science to the mix and match. It is guessing their way out of a paper bag. That's what they said. I read it to you right from Newsweek. But who cares though, right? Because it sounds fun. Go to a bargain bin mix and match your vaccines. But it says the BA-1 trials, and this is my opinion, the most important part. So don't forget the BA-1 that they never even brought out is what they're claiming they have safety tests from. So it's okay because we have safety tests that we did already, but it may not be for the exact same thing, but they translate, they say, right? So you want to pretend that's a huge safety trial that shows that at least BA-1 was safe, right? Well, guess what? BA1 trials only tested a few hundred people, which is a relatively small sample size, you don't say, compared to the thousands of people that received the BA that to receive the new BA5
4: doses. That's according to
1: and you're telling us that's enough to say that these are safe for something that is very obviously not the same thing. Or they're saying they think it's safe or they think that they won't be the same or they think that it's enough. That's what they're actually saying. Do I'm do, Is anybody falling for this? You can still be confident. He, this is the craziest part to me. I don't know where Paul Offit stands on this because he seems to be turning himself in knots to try to not be seen as a conspiracy theorist. Here's what he finally says. You can still be confident going in just don't be 100 percent sure what to expect what does that even mean confident in what then confident that we, it, it, there won't be side effects but you don't know what to expect so how in the world can you even say that then he finally finishes by saying we should keep our eyes wide open to what side effects and adverse events might occur and still keep in mind that this is a new product great so guess what that means you're the experiment You are being tested on. That's what's happening. That's what we've been saying the entire time. These
4: bivalent vaccines um, help you to mount a slightly higher antibody response against Omicron. But whether that's going to translate into any kind of clinical efficacy, we don't know. because we.
1: Well, she she says time will tell, right? So the point is we don't know if it's actually going to be effective against what we're dealing with. That is the chief scientist of the WHO. And that's the truth. None of them know this because they're assuming that it will have a... And this is, meanwhile, ignoring all of the actually documented, very serious side effects that are happening. We'll get into that next. That came with the very first shot and everything else after it that they're pretending are okay. And guess what? They fact-checked the dangerous eight mice discussion because they don't want you thinking that means it's untested, right? You're not even going to believe the way they frame this. It is embarrassing. Let's take a look. I love the opinion checks, right? And it's these same two people we made fun of last time.
3: (laughs) New COVID-19 booster shots are finally available, and they're designed to fight the one variant we see most often.
6: Tonight, CBS 17 digital reporter Jody McCrary is fact-checking a claim from skeptics who question if the new vaccines have been tested enough.
2: What those skeptics wonder is how safe those new boosters could be if they were only tested in a handful of mice. But doctors say that small number is not nearly as big of a deal as it might sound. So there's no concern from the safety perspective that this vaccine is safe.
1: How can you possibly say that this I couldn't even understand how this stuff is allowed, except in in any controlled reality, you are literally listening to them say there's no concern for safety, while the experts, the CDC and everyone else is saying we assume that there won't be a problem. How is that possible? This is cherry picking up the person who's got a a social or, you know, a a virtue signaling kind of mentality about this. Well, you're supposed to say they're safe because you know that. And we've been convinced by the CDC. And so they're going to come up and say that. But think I'm going to play this part again.
2: We're only tested in a handful of mice. But doctors say that small number is not nearly as big of a deal as it might sound.
1: Oh, you mean the two doctors you're going to gallivant down in front of us, right? Just these two people. The reality is, historically speaking, it's absolutely crazy and unreal. We're watching a situation where we can see that this is unprecedented. And anywhere else you look, you will find that. This has never happened before. They've never been able to say that thing means this is safe. Or the fact that we only did 100 people and that's enough. And then we tested eight mice for efficacy and we're telling you that that's enough. Everything about this is crazy, but here we have Jody McCreary just coming out and fact checking the fact that this is totally safe because she says so. And that's their standing, despite the actual documentation, scientific research and experts from everywhere else, apparently.
2: But doctors say that small number is not nearly as big of a deal as it might sound. So there's no concern from the safety perspective that this vaccine is safe. But some people are trying to cast doubt on them. Like this ophthalmologist claiming on Twitter the shots are going to millions of people after being tested in just eight mice.
1: Yeah, Dr. Urso. Let's look at his tweet really quickly, right? So today the FDA approved bivalent BA5 booster because of, and again, this is the one I pointed out when I read this. It's not approved. I even commented to him. Hopefully he saw that. That's not correct. So, see, my point is even people that know better are falling for this. I don't know why. It drives me crazy. Anyway, because of an unspecified emergency, that's the point about saying that we're in danger because of the pandemic. So we have to rush it out because we're all in danger, which is not true. The booster was tested on eight mice. That's a fact that anybody can prove. That's it. It will be given to a million people next week. How is that in any way misinforming or anything other than the facts? It is literally outlining exactly the truth that even they say in this video, But yet because they go wink, wink, here's what he really means. That's how they always play this. That is
2: childish. That small number is accurate. This slide from the CDC shows the preliminary findings from Pfizer were in fact based on tests in eight mice. But UNC Dr. David Wall says there's a good reason for that. BA-5 is a lot like another variant, BA-1. BA-1, that they only tested on 100 people.
1: Of course, they just happen to leave that part out. You're going to love the way the next guy looks, too. Not to make fun of their looks, I shouldn't do
2: that. There's already a vaccine for that one. And the FDA says the safety data it already has is also good for these new boosters. That's not what they say, not
1: even remotely. What they said very clearly is what I read to you, which is that they, they think that this should be efficient or effective. And Dr. Paul Offit, who was with the FDA, who said no to this, told you why. So I'm going to go ahead and trust Dr. Paul Offit, who is an expert with the FDA on that, as opposed to these two random doctors and T-shirts they roll out. Right. It doesn't even matter, to be honest. But the point is that this is not just because they show two people that say what they're supposed to doesn't make that the picture. That's not a fact check. You didn't discuss what other people are saying. You didn't get into what the what Dr. Paul Offit had to say. I mean, this is crazy. There's no way you act like this just translates unless you're lying to people. And that's an acceptable lie in the
2: propaganda world. And the FDA says the safety data it already has
5: is also good for these new boosters. So they did all the studies you were supposed to do to show the safety of that. And BA-1 and BA-5 are very similar.
1: Nope, he's wrong. Now, do you think he knows that he's wrong? Do you think he realizes he's that wrong about how it's all all the tests you're supposed to do? Is 100 people the test you're supposed to do? Does anybody believe that? Does he even know that's the case? It doesn't even matter to me. He's wrong. I proved he's wrong. We just talked about it. You can can argue anything you want about how it might work. But the reality that we don't know for sure is everywhere. They're saying it. But yet these two people just want to be the ones saying, it's all going to work because vaccines are great. and And can I get my pat on the head? Did I do the right thing today? Does everyone else in my community feel that I'm on their side now? It blows me away. If you go to this doctor, you should run screaming because he doesn't know what he's talking about, at least in this regard.
5: All the studies you are supposed to do to show the safety of that, and BA1 and BA5 are very similar, and so there's really no reason to think that there should be anything different.
1: There's no reason? Really? Okay, what about the fact that, I don't know, they're not the same thing? Nah, no, no reason there. Well, that is that is a reason. That's exactly one of the main reasons. Well, on top of that, though, we're talking about different micrograms, we're talking about all sorts of things, we're talking about other ingredients, we're talking about the fact that this is based on something else, or the fact that you're putting two things together in one shot that we didn't do before, or how about the fact that the first one was dangerous? No, though, no. Your mohawk is telling me clearly there is no other reason to be concerned.
5: Thank you, sir.
2: The process is actually similar to how new flu shots are developed every year. Those also are not tested in humans.
5: It does not go through thousands of people going through a clinical trial. It's engineered and designed to respond to the variant of flu that's circulating in the world.
1: Yeah, and the truth is, as I've made clear, they guess and often get it wrong. Now, what does it mean when they get it wrong? Well, in many cases, it means problems, autoimmune problems. It means producing the wrong antibodies, which can lead to antibody-dependent enhancement. This is all verifiable science. Doesn't mean it happens every time. But we're only just now beginning to really poke into that very crazy and unscientific flu discussion as well. The fact that they're guessing. They go, well, we think that one. out, fair enough. You could argue they're experts that have researched this. And so it's an educated guess, but it's still a guess. So at the end of the day, if they're guessing, obviously, you should have a choice. You should have a choice whether or not they're guessing. But let's be clear, if they're guessing, they don't know for sure, which means that's more than enough for you to go, whoa, I'm going to go ahead and wait to see how this works out. But that's not how this is working. As we just talked about last show, there, there are colleges across the country that are still forcing people to take these to go to school or to do all sorts of things. And yet this is and this is now being included. The booster part of this, even though it's not a booster, is being roped into it. But because this Mohawk guy said so, well, it's no big deal. Dr. Paul Offit himself says that the model has not been proven. But because this guy says so, then fact check, you're all crazy and wrong, right? And this is what the smug Twitter users are going to post under your comments to say, you don't know what you're talking about.
2: Because they love to be told what the
5: thing. To respond to the variant of flu that's circulating in the world.
2: The new shots come as vaccinations otherwise have slowed to a crawl, but in My Story Online, find out why doctors expect those booster
4: numbers to shoot back up soon. Thank you.
1: Apologies, guys. Didn't mean to be muted there. Uh, The point was, this is where we go next on this. And this is the, the, the the reality of where this all goes, right? This is the expose continuing to show you the truth. And this is completely verifiable for you could check it for yourself. Government publishes horrific figures on COVID vaccine deaths. One in 482 dead within a month, one in 246 dead within 60 days, and one in 73 dead by May 2022. As it says here, according to the ONS, between January 1st, 2021, and it says March 31st, 2022, but I'm not sure if there's a typo because the rest say May, but in any case, it says a total of 9,891 people died with COVID-19 within one month of vaccination. Not saying that's necessarily the cause, but just a simple statistic that you can prove with ONS, the ONS, their own statistics. A total of 82,255 people died of any other cause within one month of vaccination. This means that in all, 92,146 people died within one month of COVID-19 vaccination between January 2021 and May 2022. Then it says, the following chart, as you can see here, shows the overall number of deaths within 60 days of the COVID-19 vaccination in England between January 1st, 2021 and May 31st, 2022. Now, that's the simple point is that you can see, first of all, that there's a lot of deaths following the COVID injections that aren't, and this is the same point in regard, we'll get to in a minute of excess death that nobody's really just trying to understand, but, but you could argue it's something else because it's just correlation. According to the office for national statistics between January 1st, the same dates, a total of 14,103 people died with COVID-19 within 60 days of vaccination. And a total of 166,556 people died of any other cause within 60 days of vaccination. This means that in all, 180,659 people died within 60 days of COVID vaccination between those dates in England. The following chart below, as you can see, shows the official the overall number of deaths following COVID-19 vaccinations in England between those dates, January 1st, 2021, May 31st, 2022, based on the figures provided by the ONS. It's a lot. It's a pretty interesting breakdown. But here's where it gets the most interesting and telling. According to the ONS, between those dates. A total of 41,117 people died with COVID following COVID vaccination. A total of 565,420 people died of any other cause following COVID vaccination. This means that in all 606,573 people sadly died by the 31st of May following COVID vaccination. According to the UK Health Security Agency in England, 44.5 million people have received at least one dose right? So therefore, using simple math, we find that one in every 482 vaccinated people has died within one month of injection, right? So look, you could argue it could be from other things, but shouldn't we care enough to find out why that correlative point is focused so strongly right after vaccination? And then you can add the point that we've seen but from Alberta and plenty of others, that the upwards of 80% of all the problems we're seeing just so happened to take place within the first 14 to 21 days after the first injection, but the point is, you can see their math. Check it for yourself. I did it myself, and it's obvious. It says, of course, some of these deaths can be attributed to other causes. You know, the, the main thing that they never point out when they fact check, that they're showing you that, look, we're not saying it's only that. It could be other things. And it says it would have most likely occurred anyway. Some of those things would have. Maybe not COVID or vaccine-related. But the figures are representative of a real serious problem. We know this thanks to few further data from the ONS confirming the unvaccinated population in England this is important, has the lowest mortality rate per 100,000 in any population age group. Now, that taken with this point is undeniable. The following chart shows the mortality. You can check this with their own links right there. Their own ONS government data. The following chart shows the monthly age standardized mortality rates by vaccination status among each age group for non-COVID-19 deaths in England between January and May 2022. Non-COVID death, that's important. So it could be something other than vaccination, but it's hard to explain why every age group has the lowest mortality in the unvaccinated category. Using these figures contained in Table 2, the recently published data set collected by the UK government shows you this. Now you can look, take a screenshot. The unvaccinated category is the obviously lowest one in every single one. It says the there the and oh you know, there's a, some variation on the third to fourth dose and I argue that's because as I said before potential there's less data but in any case you can see that it's dramatically lower than people that have shots in their bodies. It says these are age standardized figures. There is no other conclusion that can be found for the fact. For the fact that mortality rates per 100,000, the very thing they tell you to look at instead of the majority, are the lowest among the unvaccinated other than the COVID-19 injections are killing people. So now the question is, will you be coming forward for another dose? Hard to miss. Yes, it's correlation. And that's always clear. Because I always make that clear. But these are you can't miss this in conjunction with everything else, with all the other reports. Just taking Vayers, for example. If you just look at those two data points, any investigator would be very clearly on the, on the track of what is causing this. Here's Ian Miller pointing out just an overlap of California, Florida. For nearly a year, California has reported significantly higher rates of excess death compared to Florida. Wonder how that's possible when California had mass mandates, vaccine, vaccine mandates, and Florida hasn't. That's not entirely accurate, but it says, just imagine the difference in media coverage. If it was reversed. I find that to be the most clear point you know, as a matter of fact, right now, that if it was reversed, they would be all over of, of certain media. It would be nonstop coverage of how it works because this. But they don't say it doesn't work because of this. Isn't that telling? Now, here's Keen Bexty pointing out the Danish Health Authority has now banned the vaccine for most people under 50 years of age. Now, that's not entirely accurate. Now, he does make that clear in the article, but I, there's a, this is flooding throughout the meet, the discussion on Twitter, and many people are, are framing it as banned for anybody under 50. That's not true. So he, he, I just even the tweet, I feel like we have a responsibility to make that clear, but here's the point from the Danish Health Authority. Vaccination against COVID-19, we recommend vaccination of people aged 50 years and over, as well as selected groups, risk groups. It gets more clear down here. People who have reached the age of 50, and particularly vulnerable people will be offered vaccination. Now, right there, you could see it's clear that they're basically saying we're only offering it to them, but it does get more clear. Who will be offered COVID vaccination? It says people aged 50 years and over will be offered vaccination. So anybody under won't. So they're effectively saying anybody under 50, except as it says here, and this is why my point is it's not banned for anybody under 50. It says people aged under 50 who are at high risk will be offered vaccination. So that's pretty much everybody you could add in that if you wanted to. Staff in the healthcare and elderly care sector, as well as selected parts of the social service sector, who have close contact with these kinds of patients will also be offered it. Okay. So there's another huge category. In addition, we recommend that relatives of persons at particular high risk will accept the same thing. So this basically, way too high of my voice there. Basically, <laughs> basically amounts to a huge, maybe majority of the population when you realize what high risk can ultimately mean, overweight, any kind of problem, and then all their relatives and anybody in care homes, it's a huge portion. So just, first of all, it's not being banned for everybody under 50. And that may be a way of kind of appeasing their population in this area, being one of the most aware of what's going on in this regard. But the point is they're still taking a direction away from what, especially the U.S. government is doing, forcing it essentially on most people, including kids, in colleges in most places. And they're now going, well, pretty much unless you're sick and and, and over 50, we're not going to let you take this. That's a huge deviation. So however you spin this, that's a big deal. But then it says here, why are people aged under 50 not being Go, not uh why are people aged under 50 not to be re-vaccinated so right there it shows you that they're clearly saying that, that you shouldn't be it says the purpose of the vaccination program is to prevent severe illness hospitalization and death well that's not true everybody said it was about stopping transmission until they clearly showed that it didn't the purpose of vaccination it says is not to prevent infection us they're lying so i not you know forgive me if i doubt their their sincerity in all this People under 50, therefore, currently are not being offered a booster. People aged under, but that point does show you that it's, if they're, they're being, they're saying, look, it's, it doesn't stop transmission. Well, that's, we know that, but that they're saying that's the only reason to give it to people under that age group because they're not really in, in, in danger. Well, yeah, exactly. In addition, younger people under age 50 are well-protected against becoming sick. It says people under 50 are generally not a particularly high risk of COVID. Yeah. Guess what? That challenges pretty much the entire foundation of the U.S. government right now. But who cares? Because they're all fake news conspiracy theorists, anti-science and all that, apparently. All that being said, as we're watching this slow deconstruction or rather demolition of the narrative, which I was just talking about in the last show, check this out. My brother sent me this. This is a Walgreens commercial. Think about how far back they are stuck in the narrative, just like NBC and everybody else. If they're putting out commercials like this, this is pretty unnerving, actually. I think that what this what this ultimately shows. Hold on, there it is. Is that they're really pushing children, and I think it's the same idea. It's the same thing as they really want you to think that kids still need this, and they're protecting your grandma. Like all these old tropes that aren't even—they're clearly been shown since to be absolutely false.
6: So, how I many vaccines have you given to people? <laughs> Me? About a thousand. Walgreens? Millions.
5: I cannot miss her big debut.
6: With your booster? I think you'll be there for every twirl.
0: Got a shot so my sister won't get sick. We
4: to go, big bro. So while we're here,
0: can we shot as well? Let's do it.
4: When you need to talk vaccinations, our pharmacists are here. Way
1: to go, big bro. Way way to go to protect your sister. That's not even remotely how this is even, even the the current narrative, that's not true. (laughs) You're not stopping transmission. So how exactly are you helping anybody? Who cares? Good job, big bro. And then how about, wait, want flu shot? Why not? You know, we haven't tested whether they're safe next to each other, but why not? You know, because vaccine's good. This is the kind of gross and obvious disinformation or misinformation that they don't care about. It's as simple as that. And I mean, I, I don't need to show this every single time, but I know that some people haven't seen it. And the point is, if they're right now saying, blue shot while you're here, explain to me how that makes sense when it very clearly still says in the most recent documentation from Pfizer that interaction with other vaccines has not been tested. It says the COVID-19 injection will be used in individuals who may also receive other vaccines. Studies to determine if those co-administration of the vaccines with other vaccines may affect efficacy or safety, meaning may affect if it works or affect if it's safe for you, have not been performed. But uh, we got to love the little, you know, lovey, touchy commercial. Oh, good job, big bro. Flu shot, same time. High five. Who cares about the facts and safety? Go take your next bivalent thing that hasn't been tested, but we know it's safe. This is crazy across the board. Now, to quickly talk about something to finish off here about the myocarditis, blood clot, heart attack, collapsing athlete, collapsing clean guard conversation. I want us to see how clear this is about how much this is across the board. Athletes, children, stars, news tasters, tennis players. I mean, God dang it, it's everywhere. Like, it's just so infuriating. They can pretend like this is not the most obvious thing in the history of anything that people are collapsing in front of you. And we've never seen this before. Not like this. Now, first of all, the Queens guard collapsing is just one example of how clear this is constantly happening. But we'll go into how they want to make you think "Ah, that happens all the time. And there's a narrative for it. It has happened before, before COVID-19. Now, do we know that also wasn't related to shots? No. But what we do know is that ultimately, it's not as constant as they want you to think that it is, right? Here is the video. And I'll show you that point next to prove that's not the case. But first, let's show you the Queen's Guard collapsing in two different ways.
6: Guard collapses while the Queen is lying in state in Westminster Hall. Keep an eye on the front left guard who has stood there.
1: Now you can see him kind of stumble a few times where he kind of almost falls and then at the very at the end he basically he falls flat on his face
4: There's one of them. Now it
1: has happened before, and before COVID, so it certainly has some kind of prevalence. But we need to ask how often. And this, alongside, like, when's the last time you saw it on this kind of, you know, it's it's so prevalent in everything you're looking at on any field of any kind, sports, anything, newscasters, it's everywhere. And it's not just because it's being focused on. It's more. It's not, the numbers I've proven to you just in sports are so far above what they would normally expect in a year that it's painful. NIH study, FIFA study have done multi-country, multi-year studies, and what they're current, what we're currently at for sports alone, just in adults, just in 2022, is three, four, five times that. I haven't. I've stopped keeping track. It, they, it's, let's, whether or not you want to discuss the vaccine, if you are going to ignore it because the vaccine's a part of the conversation, you damn well better have an excuse for why that is acceptable. Why are so many athletes collapsing more than you would have expected, even using peer-reviewed science to make that point? Fine, remove the injection. What's causing it then? Oh, you don't know. So that means you don't know if it's not the vaccine. You can't keep refusing that as a possibility because you don't want to confront what's going on. Here is another example. This one just happened as well. Or at least I hold this one, I believe, just happened as well. But in any case, I just want to show you these happening. God, I can't stand the music TikTok garbage. It just drives me bananas. Like, why put stupid music on these things? But anyway, it happens all over the place in the context of COVID-19, right? It's just constant. Now, what they want you to think because this is happening is, well, guess what? It's everywhere, right? It's oh, it's no big deal. It happens all the time. Well, first of all, so we know this is what's happening. Royal guard near Queens, a coffin, faints, falls on his face. Now what you will find here or won't find is any explanation or even the attempt of an explanation of why, right? Nothing, not even he got tired, nothing. Nobody cares to follow up. Just, it happened. This was today, by the way, because why do, why do Queens royal guards faint? Here's the explanation. It is not uncommon to see a member of the Queen's Guard lose consciousness. Well, it is actually, and I'll show you that. But here's the 15th talking about this, and it says, it must be overwhelming. This is one of the biggest events in the world, right? He's he's trained on this, militaristically style, but no, this has just overwhelmed him because it's the Queen's funeral, right? It must be so tough to stay like that for such a long time. Well, yeah, probably for six hours is all we're talking about. Not that crazy, but at the end of the day, these people have been trained aggressively to be this way. Right. So if that's all we're talking about, that's a pretty flimsy excuse. But it says soldiers in ceremony uniform are maintaining a constant 24 hour vigil around the queen's coffin at this hall while the soldiers rotate position every 20 minutes. Well, that's not terrible. They're permitted to stand completely still around the four coffin corners of the coffin for six hours a shift. Right. But they move every 20 minutes for six hours. I, for crying out loud, I know people that other jobs that do worse than. Anyway, the point is that's not that crazy. It's it's a little bit constraining, and I understand how locking your knees specifically can cause something like this. And you can see here's an old picture of something like that happening, right? Like for instance, I in in when in playing football at, at like summer two days when I was a kid in high school, I remember passing out from the flu. I was standing up and I woke up on my face, and I that ha- I had the flu. I fell over because I just passed out because I was trying to stand up, and I got dizzy. And fell. It happens, right? But We need to ask why this is being so quickly dismissed when there's so many people doing the same thing. Surprisingly, fainting is not uncommon occurrence. Well, guess what though? It's happened before, but how often has it happened? Well, first of all, if it's such a common thing, why did they suspend the live footage right after it happened? Why didn't they want you to see it if it's such a common, normal thing? Wouldn't you be like, oh, well, let's talk about that since it's so common. (laughs) Well, not really. They just hit it and turned off the live stream. Well, here is just a quickly search for Queen's guard collapse. Well, guess what? I don't see very common. I see one from 2015, maybe one from 2016. 2017, one of these was discussing the same thing from a different year. But I mean, look, there's 2016, 17, 18. At the most, maybe you could say one a year, but I don't see anything from 19, 20, anything. And you look through the pages. There is this, I, I did a search from 1979. Oh, excuse me, I went to 2019. That's why. But I don't, the point is that I don't see anything going further back than that. And this goes from up to 2019. I did that to be pre COVID, right? So, pretty much what we're seeing normalized is that it's happening during COVID 19. But as Liz Churchill points out, so weird. A hundred and one thousand one hundred athletes died from 1996 to 2004. That's it. Just died, not even related to cardiac, just died, right? But at least 673 have died since January 2021 alone. Now that's now that's that's just what she's citing right there. My point is that you can broaden this out into a lot of fields and there's no denying that there's something going on. That's the same way they dismiss and ignore the excess death is just what well, we don't know. So let's stop talking about it. Or we can't prove the VAERS data. Let's stop talking about it. Like this is willful deception. But as I point out here, here are the previous discussions we had. This one was from November uh uh november 8th 2021 children athletes are collapsing and dying from sudden cardiac arrest here is po- the pandemic illusion and the ongoing cover-up of collapsing athletes was then a uh, th- few days later two days later so please check these out because this was going back before we th- right now it's even more obvious but these are earlier discussions about something that's only just now breaking through into co- in, to kind of mainstream discussion it's undeniable here's what i followed up with and i just said ending the collapsing athlete debate this was on june 21st 2021 it's there's no dismissing that there's something going on and i truly believe that there's really no dismissing that the vaccine is playing a role you just can't prove that every one of them are connected but i truly believe this is what's happening Here is just some some of them to finish today that are happening now 17 year old athlete dies suddenly reportedly due to heart attack or blood clot while practicing for a golf tournament that makes sense, right? Totally normal. We see this all the time. No, we don't. This is unprecedented to see this many, this often as young athletes just have random heart attacks. This is crazy. This, But it's happening all over the place. Remember, we talked about this one. This one blows my mind. An NCAA athlete was hospitalized with myocarditis. His own doctor, this kid, remember this kid? His own doctor proved, verified that he did have myocarditis, that it was a vaccine side effect. Now, what's crazy about it, craziest about it is they themselves have admitted that is possible they can argue that it's super rare but if they say it's possible and this guy has a doctor prove that it happened to him shouldn't that be a open discussion well no he went on tiktok and twitter and they all censored him they and take as as i further understand it, tiktok never still censored him he will never be able to play golf again this is I've, this has been followed up on he has a heart problem and he's he's a he's a a division one golfer. For those that play sports, know how important that is. That's a potential uh, professional golf career done for his rest of his life, right? He proved he had it and he got attacked, disparaged, and made fun of as a conspiracy theorist, even to this day, despite them admitting it's possible. How do you even explain that? Destroying these people's lives. Alex Bernison points out Euromomo, the European mortality monitor, warned today and I believe this was today, yes, today, the 15th, that death in kids and teens have jumped since mid-2021. Well, gee, what could that be? Possible explanations are being investigated. As he says, gee, I wonder, what changed starting last summer? Wasn't COVID? That had been around a while. Anybody have any ideas? Yeah, we, we could guess. But the point is not that we can say because of that connection or correlation that, that we know it's the vaccine, but why then is literally nobody in these positions asking if that's one of the reasons? You, that, that is one of the most obvious glaring red flags I've ever seen. Yeah, we're going to investigate, but we're going to completely omit the possibility that the injection, which is the, the most obvious correlation, is even remotely a part of it. Why? Well, because safe and effective, safe and effective. They're also effective. We know it's safe and effective. Of course. Well, here is GB News pointing out something that just adds to this, which continues to show you the illusion. And this is another correlated point. But we have to see how this is ubiquitous
0: in Europe. Uh, this is the uh, rundown of countries. So look at that. The least vaccinated country in Europe is Bulgaria. And they also have the least excess mortality. And the most vaccinated country in Europe is Malta, which isn't included in the excess mortality stats. So let's go to the second most vaccinated country in Europe, Portugal. And they have the highest excess mortality. In so the lowest country with the lowest vaccination rate has the lowest excess mortality. And the country with the highest vaccination rate has the highest excess mortality. But altogether, now, correlation is not causation.
1: Now, I kind of don't like that he's almost maybe I'm wrong, maybe I I feel like he's kind of undermining that. That's a you have to make that point. Correlation is not causation. There's a thousand reasons why that's the most important thing to point out right there, but it does matter. Right? You can't it's got to be a mixed bag there. Correlations a huge part of getting to causation, but it is just it's not the same thing. So I almost kind of feel like they're undermining that as that's one side making that argument and it's not a valid argument. Just kind of the way he said that. But in any case, He's making valid points. It's it's pretty ubiquitous. The excess death is all over the map, and they just keep going, whoa, SIDS, SADS, I don't know. We're not going to even care to dissect it if we pretend we can't figure it out. We'll just call it something like SADS, which, by the way, is the definition of we don't know. It is a catch-all for unexplained death. That's all that means. And guess what they're saying, though? I know what it is. It's air pollution. I told you, it's climate change. Air pollution may spur irregular heart rhythms in teens, specifically study finds. My God. I mean, it's just so disheartening that they'll go out of their way to push the most flimsy, unrelated, correlative studies. That's what these are. While ignoring another huge correlation. Well, because correlation not causing it. Same point. My point is that that is a fair statement, but you can't point at one correlated point and say that might be it while ignoring the most obvious obvious correlated point. That's just ignorance or willful deception. Now to finish today, Ben Swan points out over 400 doctors, scientists, and professionals from more than 34 countries have declared an international medical crisis due to diseases and death associated with COVID injections. Now, you can read, in the interest of time, I'm going to let you guys read this for yourself. But this is a big deal. This is medicalcrisisdeclaration.com. De- medical and you should go to this and you should sign this if you believe in it and make sure people know that you support the idea that, at the very least, we investigate this. Because that is not happening. It says the medical doctors and scientists from all over the world declare that there is an international medical crisis due to these injections. They said they're currently witnessing an excess in mortality in, in those countries where the majority of the population has received a so called COVID vaccine. You can't deny that. To date, this is the craziest part. This excess mortality has neither been sufficiently investigated nor studied by national or international health institutions. They don't even care. That is the most glaring example of something else nefarious going on. They're talking about young people. Read this for yourself, guys, and they go over what they need to do. Stop these injections, investigate this stuff, but read it for yourself. It's important to see that you're not alone that the world is aware of what's going on and a hell of a lot more people than you realize are beginning to stand up. Join them. Stand up and speak your mind. Even if you disagree, stand up and speak your mind about what you see happening. You have every right to express yourself, even if it's based on nothing but your opinion. They're so scared of the average person expressing their opinion because they're scared for you to realize that almost everybody else around you right now is at least in some way on the same page of we're not okay with this right now time to stand up guys going into elections going into all this stuff we're going to get an onslaught of manipulative propaganda more than usual so it's time to make this clear now i promise you that this is not going to be a debatable topic they're not going to get into whether injections are bad or good or i mean even if people want to ask that i would argue they're going to make a way to make sure it stays off the stage make it force it in there rate it up there and scream your question make sure they know the people watching that they're omitting that topic but in any case, thank you for sticking through to the end. I d- tried to keep it under three hours, guys, but there's so much information. I'm going re- to, and by the way, uh, put your, your good intentions out there for Star because she's had, dealing with some frustration problems right now as well on the tail end of some, some, some sickness. But the point is that more clips will be coming. Brock is going to be making some as well. So, But we have more coming your way, and I'm going to make a point to make sure that we get some of these, the executive order and some of these focuses out soon. So thank you for being here. I love you all. Stand up, guys. I love you all. Come to your own conclusions. <laughs> yeah, forgot my own... <laughs> Thank you. I'll see you next time.
5: From the President's office in the White House in Washington, D.C., we present an address by the President of the United States, Dwight D. Eisenhower.
0: In holding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite.